courtside at the virtual hardwood, it's the NLSC podcast, episode number 315. Andrew with you once again, joined once again by Derek, aka Deeper 3 in the forum. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, I actually, um, as I told you before the we started recording, I just got in from trying to play basketball, uh, shoot around outside, and uh, we talked about the difference in time zones, but also the difference in temperatures between where you are and where I am, and it's about freezing here in uh, New Hampshire, and I didn't last very long. I probably shot around for about 15, 20 minutes, and I was done. In, in a weird way, I'm kind of jealous of that because it's supposed to be autumn right now. I've mentioned this to you as well, and it's uh, we're, we're still getting some summer weather here in Australia, which is not, not uncommon for an Australian uh, autumn or, or fall, if you like. Um, yeah, it's uh, de- definitely a difference, though, and uh, it's... Uh, the the NBA continues to be shut down, so we're everybody's inside, and and we thank you for listening to the podcast. As if you are stuck inside, we hope we can uh, bring you some joy and excitement in a, a difficult time in the uh, in the world. As I said, the NBA is continues to be shut down. That there's a uh, a free uh, a free access to NBA League Pass, Derek. That's uh, that's being offered by the NBA at the moment. So I I signed up for that. Yep. Yeah, I already have League Pass. I've gotten it the last few years, but I was seeing people talking about that. And the good thing is, is not only League Pass um, is, like you said, like the free pa- uh, the free trial. But I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but guys like Mario Ellie and Steph Curry and other former and current NBA players have been pushing and tagging like NBA TV, yep, and whatnot to put on more classic games. It's, it's uh, definitely something that they, they should do. I mean, I've seen stupid things like people saying it's unwatchable and, uh, you know, the, the old plumbers and dentists thing, but we know better. We've talked about that before. Uh, I, I do think they need better content like that. Uh, I mean, I, I know you're not a wrestling fan. I, I am. Obviously, people who follow me on Twitter probably know that as well by now. Uh, the, the WWE Network does a great job with their on-demand content. You can b- go back and watch uh, episodes of Raw, SmackDown, all the pay-per-views, and, of course, they've got ECW and WCW and all the other promotions that they've bought out over the years. They've got all the, a huge tape library. And, of course, the NBA has, has a similar uh, library of, of games spanning <laughs> decades as well. So I really think the NBA should do more uh, to have that on-demand content uh, and not just, just not just broadcast at different times, be able to have that on-demand content to everybody in the in the trial, certainly, in the, this 30-day uh, League Pass trial, to be able to go back and watch that, that content, or even if you, they are just streaming it. But, no, I, I definitely agree with... Uh, with Mario Eli and, and all those other uh, former NBA players uh, saying that, because it's uh, it'd be great for us, obviously, to relive those memories. But maybe some people would be, get educated, change their minds. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I try to. Um, I advocate for people going on YouTube uh, and researching different years and different games. And you have full game. Like I watched the entire 1975 finals between the Warriors and the Bullets. Every single full game is on YouTube right now. Um, so, you know, you don't have to wait for NBA TV. You don't have to wait for it to be um, televised. If you put your browser up in, or your YouTube app, you can find a ton of older games. Um, and some recent ones. Like, if you wanted to watch um, one of the games from the Denver Lakers series from 2009 playoffs, you know, when Denver had their, probably their, closest chance best run yeah. decent chance to reach the finals um and where kobe and mellow were battling it out you have those full games on youtube 
So whether you want to watch some games that are somewhat recent or even go back to the 60s and 70s, you can find full games. And I just think people, the, the people could use this time to educate themselves more about the game's history. So if, if players from the 80s and 90s are, are plumbers and dentists, are players from the 60s and 70s uh, cobblers and apothecaries? Or... Right. And we, today we have the, um, the Fortnite Oh, stream, streamers and TikTokers, yeah. No, no, streamers, no. TikToks. <laughs> Well, who, who, would ever and, look, uh, who would ever look up to an athlete, right? And vegans. And, 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 the, and the vegans. And do you have, um, like, Kyrie Irving? Yeah. So, you have, uh, what, what do we call them? Uh, because people at our work do it. The keto diet. This is yeah. the keto generation of the NBA. But, yeah. um, well, like, like, that, like that gentleman you interacted with on Twitter, you know, why would you look up to athletes anyway? But when you can <laughs> retweet all <laughs> kinds of Instagram models and whatnot, but... In, in any case, uh, I am actually surprised that the NBA doesn't put more stuff on the on their on their YouTube channel. That that is something that WWE does again, putting full matches from pay per views that from years ago. They'll actually put that up on in their entirety on on Facebook and and YouTube. So that that is something else that the NBA could do. I mean, if people are putting it up there for free anyway, they might as well put some classic games up. It's uh, I, I certainly wouldn't uh, object to that. I mean, I know they're there and you can find them, but if the NBA wants to do that in, in an official capacity. Yeah, why, why not? You know, and it w- would also be a great uh, uh, advertisement for League Pass, and say, oh, you know, if you and if you sign up for League Pass, you can get all these games on demand. I mean, there's so much more the NBA could be doing with that, and and it's something that, of all things, WWE has pioneered with their network. And Adam, they're always talking about Adam Silver looking for new ideas. Now, that's an, a new idea I like them to see ahead of uh, adver- advertising on the jerseys and some of the the jersey redesigns and uh, the the new designations and more grumpy old man grumbling here, but. It's if you want to look at a new idea. I mean, it's not completely new because WWE has done it. But if you want to get something new for what the NBA is doing, I, I'd I'd, get, I'd say totally do that. It's and, and it's more important even now that they try to do something like that because uh, I don't know if you re- uh, if you heard recently, but you know the channel Free Dawkins, which was a YouTube channel that had a ton of classic games and highlights. Yeah, they got shut down. It got shut down by YouTube. Right, yeah. So, so NBA, NBA yeah, has yeah. the rights; they could be doing it. They could make money off it. They could, they could get advertising dollars on it. So, there's all kinds of, yeah. So, if anybody's from the NBA is listening, and we know you are, uh, <laughs> that would be my pitch to uh, to do that. Obviously, to update League Pass, but but certainly to take advantage of your social media and put that those four games on there because, yeah, you you definitely get the interest. And and you, yeah, even if you put up a one free game a week or a stream one free game a week. Of the current NBA, obviously you can't do that at the moment. But if you did that one free game via YouTube or whatever, kind of like what they're doing with the the G League, I believe, I think that would that would do really well. But uh, but speaking of old basketball, uh, 25 years this week, Derek, since Michael Jordan said "I'm back," and doesn't that make you feel old? It really does. I mean, part of the the thing that's crazy is I feel I feel lucky to be around for both. I was around for his return in 95, 96, but then obviously it was a really big deal in my house when he returned again yep. with the wizard. Um, so I, I was, I'm really happy that I was able to see both um, and how, you know, how he did with both, which I think, like I said, I think it's wizard's career is incredibly underrated. And I think um, people say it hurt his legacy, but I think it helped it uh, I have, for reasons I have, I've stated. Yeah. I have mixed feelings. Cause obviously I would have loved to see him do it in the bulls Jersey and, because it was such a picture book, storybook ending, picture book, storybook ending in, in 98, but 
Yeah, there were, there was stuff about the Wizards years I enjoyed, and it's yeah, and and I think he did add to his legacy in certain ways. Certainly, becoming doing what he did at that age, you know, it, it is definitely underrated and overlooked. But uh, I, I mentioned it in my Wayback Wednesday because Wayback Wednesday fell on the day that he the anniversary of him saying I'm back, uh, not his first game back, but the announcement that I'm back, that he was back. Uh, it's it's really a, a strange career that he had with the with the, the interruptions and the comebacks and everything, and it's it's something that we haven't seen. The only other, only other that comes close, I guess, is Magic Johnson's abrupt retirement due to the HIV uh, diagnosis, and then coming back in '96. That's that's and and playing in the '92 All Star game despite not being in the league that year. That's really the only thing that comes close as far as uh, oddities as to as to how the greats' careers have unfolded. Everyone else has kind of unfolded in pretty much as you would expect for a great uh, great athlete. There's some there's some odd things in the past. And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, like Dave Cowens came back a few years later in like '83, '84, and played for the Bucks, like after his long career with the Celtics. Yeah. Um, Dave Cowens is a legend. Uh, Bob, Bob Cousy with the Cincinnati Royals. Yep, exactly. He came back and played like six games or seven games of the Cincinnati Royals. Um, but Dave Cowens coming back and playing, um, you know, forty to fifty games with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, is also a very odd ending. Yeah. Um, especially because he came back with a different team, kind of like Jordan did with the Wizards, yes. after he had played Celtics for his whole career. Um, Magic Johnson, and I mentioned this on a Twitter post recently, Magic Johnson's comeback in 1996 in January was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that war- I said that was one of, my, one of the greatest games I've ever watched in my lifetime was his first game back against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, in 1996 and yeah he was a little out of shape but I'm going to tell you something his impact was felt immediately and boy did he look awesome out there um, faked Latrell Sprewell out of his shoes uh, he was doing you know posting up and you just he it, it's a very in my opinion Magic Johnson's comeback after not playing for that long is pretty damn underrated he, he still had uh, he, he still could go he was playing power forward mostly where he'd obviously been uh, a wing player or a point guard for most of his career, but yeah, he, he made that transition and it, and it worked. And it was, it, yeah, it's one of those things. It's one of those uh, from the '96 seasons. Why the '96 season is one of my favorites. Obviously, there are many other Bulls-related reasons why it is, but it's uh, it's it's one of the last great years. Uh, sort of the la- last year where all the greats from the '80s and '90s were all healthy and playing for the most part. Uh, yeah, I really love that '96 season for so many reasons, and that magic comeback is uh, well, kind of magical, really. Yeah, and there's another couple things that, you know, people don't talk about. One, Magic Johnson actually came back for the 92-93 season preseason. He was playing in the preseason in 1992. I I, Uh, I did not know that until I watched the documentary, the announcement that he did. Yep, yep. He came back, and they, they he even had a press conference, and they were he was like, you know, this is the amount of games I'm looking at playing, and this is how much they're going to use me. And there's a full game of him playing preseason with um, – the with the Lakers in ninety in the in nineteen ninety two and it's really uh, yeah. cool to watch because he's still got it. He's only a, like, a, yeah. a year removed from playing in the league at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His last year was ninety ninety one, but um, so there's that. And then the other thing too, and this is something people don't talk about. And you know me, I, I think Jordan's the greatest player of all time. Yeah, I agree. hands down, best player I've ever watched. But a lot of people don't talk about how you know they say, oh, we won six rings in a row. Or whatever, but really, I know it wasn't a full season, but he did come back. He did average thirty points per game. He did play seventeen games during the season, 
in 94-95, and he did lose to the Magic. And by the way, that's not a bad thing because the Orlando Magic were awesome. Yeah, that team with Penny and Shaq and and Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, and and Horace Grant, they were a good team. They were the team of the future, and then Shaq went to yeah. LA, and that kind of yeah, and then Penny got injured. And <laughs> that was, was after ninety five, ninety six, when the Bulls and Jordan, after he played a full season, wiped the floor with them. Yeah, um, in that playoffs to kind of get back at him. But I do want to point that out. You know, a lot of people, you know, a six and a, well, you know, he did come back. And no, it it was baseball, Jordan, and he wasn't at full swing, but he was still, you know, there was it was he was still playing, yeah. And they did lose, um, but again, he's the greatest basketball player I've ever seen, greatest basketball player of all time, in my opinion. But that is something that not a lot of people talk about. And of course, the the comeback season ninety ninety four ninety five ninety five is the only part he played in March ninety five when he came back nineteenth against the uh, against the United Pacers, but. The game against the Knicks, of course, the double nickel game is uh, it's the highlights for that and the full game I imagine are on YouTube. It's part of the Jordan Challenge in NBA 2K11. Uh, I actually went back and played that this past uh, past week just to celebrate that and also to get some screenshots for the article as well. Uh, it turned out to be a great game, D. I was back and forth. Uh, virtual Patrick Ewing was just killing me with the uh, with the turnarounds in the post. Nothing I could do with, with Purdue or Longley or Wennington. <laughs> they just were struggling to, to stop him. Uh, Charles Oakley was knocking down jump shots that a little bit too many jump shots for, for my liking but uh, it, it was just a, a back and forth game I got down and then I came roaring back of course thanks to you know who and also a couple of threes by uh, by Steve Kerr because uh, they could shoot back in the day those plumbers and dentists but uh, it uh, it got down to down to the wire I I thought I, I thought I'd pulled ahead for good and then uh, Derek Harper of all, of all players great player but certainly not the not known for his uh, finishing inside but he did. Uh, he drove and got a layup on me. I had uh, three seconds left to to win the game. Got it to you know who. Uh, hit the shot. Had the, still one second left. Then made the defensive stop, and I, I won on a Jordan game winner. Uh, such such a fun game to play in two K eleven. A game that is still widely regarded as a classic, and rightfully so. But I, I, I couldn't have asked for a better game to go back and replay that challenge and uh, and have some fun with that. You know, what's funny is um, two things with that one. 2K11 is still the best representation of Michael Jordan. 2K11 um, pulled out all the stops with his signature animations, um, with the presentation uh, in regards to Michael Jordan. And it's because it was his first game back, obviously, as we know. Yeah, um, they wanted to go all out. You know, they wanted to go all out. And using him on 2K11 is still like no other game. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. The other thing, too, is I really wish you recorded your games. Because that would have been cool to see. Um, like, you know, maybe if you could, you know, if you found a way to record your games and then upload it. I don't know if you're playing on, I'm guessing you're playing on PC. I am, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought and, I thought about well, it and, and then I didn't have it set up. I was like, well, I was only getting screenshots. So I, I, by the time I thought about, oh, I should have been recording this. It was, uh, most of the game was over. I should have at least recorded the, uh, the game winner there. That, that would have been cool. Yeah, for anybody listening, um, and I'll say this to you again. If you want to know how I record, like easily record gameplay, I use Action Video Recorder. And it's something that you have to pay for, but it's only like 20 bucks. And it doesn't impact your frame rate, but it gives you perfect 60 FPS, 1080p recording. And all you have to do is hit a button on your keyboard after a play happens, and it records the previous 10 or 15 seconds. Oh, nice. Uh, I was going to say, so that- I-, I use Bandicam, but it doesn't have that feature, I don't believe. 
yeah, so I, I definitely would recommend that. But yeah, that would have been cool to see. But yeah, isn't there? A, there's nothing better than playing a video game. You said hitting threes with Kerr. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing better on a video game than using seeing players seeing players play to their strengths mm. and using players play to their strengths. Like you say, Patrick Ewing's in the post hitting fadeaways on fadeaways on you. I can see him doing that in real life. Yeah. Um, and that's the that's the power of video games even going back to like live 2000 um and prior this is you know being able to create you know memories and moments with those games that you know you could you could see happening in real life with those athletes and, and that's something we are going to be touching on today the uh how those early games shaped our, our love of i guess contributed to our love of the sport and certainly our love of the genre of, of basketball gaming those games from the late 90s, early 2000s, when we were uh, teenagers and whatnot, how they shaped our preferences for gaming and so forth. Uh, one thing I'll, I will mention before we get to that, uh, some news about NBA 2K20. Obviously, again, with a lot of people uh, inside at the moment, self-isolating, etc., looking after themselves, uh, great to see. Uh, don't know if you saw it, Derek, but at, they've actually had to shut down the beaches here in Australia because people were still going to the beach and not <laughs> doing being responsible. So uh, they've actually had to step in and say, yes, the, the beaches are closed. But a lot of people home, watching Netflix, playing video games, playing basketball video games, uh, NBA 2K20, uh, 2K's pushed through a lot of stuff for my team, uh, brand new spotlight challenges for every team in the league, the sim spotlights, where you can get some cards just for, for playing the game, if you uh, play through those challenges. So a, a lot of new content coming through, and, and that's really what they should be doing at this time, because yes, the season is uh, on hold, and, and they don't know when it's coming back and what they can do and what's going to happen there. But obviously they do have a game coming out and there's a lot of content that they can push through as far as new challenges and things. And we saw a few years ago when, when NBA Live just stopped pushing through content for, for Ultimate Team and how, how damaging that was. Uh, 2K obviously not doing that, uh, D, and, and so much the better that they're doing the right thing. Yeah, we talked about this on the last podcast, the fact that they're, um, they're also on their Twitter feed sim, um, simulating NBA 2K games or having Ronnie 2K choose a t- use a team against another human um, and playing the games on NBA 2K that would be happening right now in real life and advertising the results and all of that stuff. So it's keeping people engaged and talking and occupied um, in their minds still on 2K. So we, like we talked about before, 2K does a great job of that. Live hasn't done a good job of that in over a decade. Yeah. So, um, which is unfortunate. But yeah, no, I, I saw them doing some My Team upgrades um, to players and releases in that regard for 2K20. Um, I got a notification when I put the game on about it um, recently. Like it was like a purple screen. I don't yep. know if you got that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what 2K is going to, you know, how is 2K going to get taken down if they continue this route, can continue down this road of just doing the right thing as far as with their game, um, advertising their game and all of that stuff? It's a big deal. Like, what, what they're doing right now is a big deal. And I think it ends up eclipsing the lack of goodwill that we've talked about before, because obviously there are things they could be doing that are better. And yes, they're obviously looking to push those uh, current revenue mechanics, the microtransactions in my team uh, in particular this year. And there was even that, that quote from Strauss Zelnick about how it's not reached record recurrent revenue this year. And they they have plans of how to address that, although they say it's not a huge concern because obviously it's still making a ton of cash, a ton of revenue for 2K and Take-Two, etc., uh, 
But yes, they, they are trying to address that, and this is probably how they're going to do it, changing their approach. But even with some of the stuff they're doing that is, I'll say it, kind of scummy that they've done with 2K, they continue to push this content through. They, they've, they've given us a fairly consistent experience for the most part over the years, and, and it's why they continue to, to be the number one brand. And, and Live has so much catching up to do, but, but it's those little things like that, pushing through that content and that engagement that gets people talking about the brand. As we said before, that gets people excited about NBA Live that they could be doing so much more. They're doing a 25th anniversary in NBA Live Mobile, which is nice, but consoles, PC, you know, the, the, your main gaming platforms, not mobile platforms, are really where your the most interest is among basketball gamers. So that's what you need to be engaging in. Well, the other thing, too, is they're not doing enough of that even with Live Mobile. And they're not doing enough with the 25th anniversary of live. Um, and they're not doing enough of, um, you know, basically covering their their rich history. But, you know, the other thing that NBA 2K is doing really well, and I think you've noticed this, and there's been a couple of people who mentioned it on the threads, is they're constantly bringing their game down to like 20 bucks. No. Constantly. You know, they'll have it up to 59.99 again. Um, and then, you know, a few weeks later, they'll drop it to 20 bucks. And then, like, I believe right now it's 20 bucks on steam um so again that's how you get gamers you know what i mean maybe maybe there's still quite a few people out there that were like you know what i'm not gonna buy it this year but then those people see that it's for 20 bucks and they go you know what ah, i gotta i gotta buy it it's only 20 bucks i wasn't gonna buy it at the 60 dollar price so that's how they keep keep uh they keep people coming back because 20 bucks for nba 2k20 which is the current game is pretty damn good absolutely you know Will people want to buy the special edition after everything that's happened? Probably not. Do they want to buy it at launch? As you say, that they they're saying yes, I'll boycott this year. But for twenty bucks, they'll they'll certainly they'll at least consider it, and that's why they do get the sales throughout the year, and why they continue to set records for sales and installations and whatnot. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like you said, uh, they just recently promoted the whole. Hey, this is how many downloads we have. So every single person they pick up, they can add to that number. It is funny, though, because we, we expect this now. We expect new content. Back in the day, we, we really had to make our own fun with games. And I guess this this leads into our uh, main discussion topic this week of, of those early games and how our habits were formed and uh, maybe a few confessions as well, how, how some uh, some funny stories and, and things that we've done with those old games. Uh, but yes, we did make our own fun with those games without new content coming through, uh, which uh, we didn't know better. Obviously, <laughs> it wasn't a thing that happened. Uh, but we still did spend a lot of time with those with those games, just getting hooked on a mode or, or whatever. Uh, we've we've talked about this before, and you and I are very similar in so much as we have trouble playing less than twelve minute quarters. Yeah, I I can't do it. I, I like I'll do it for a quick YouTube video for yeah. six. Like I'll do six sure, eight same. minute quarters. If I if somebody says to me if they comment on my YouTube channel and they say hey can I get can you you know upload NBA Live 06 and you you know Heat versus Cavs or something like that I'll go and I'll put put on six minute quarters and say you know what I'll honor that request they want to see the game it'll be cool to put on for a second and I'll throw that on there and do six minute quarters but if I'm playing serious. If I'm playing in a real competition, whether it's against the computer for my league or play now, or if I'm against my brothers, I have to play 48-minute games. Same. I have to. And that's because that's what they – not only it's it realistic because that's what they play in real life and we're playing a basketball simulation, but also because stats – when you're playing in those games, you know, you want to look at him and say, hey, you know what? He played 42 minutes. Hey, in real life, he played 43 minutes. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And or he played 40. He played 38 minutes a game in real life. And I have him at 38 minutes a game. How cool is that? So I look at it from, you know, a stat point of view as well. But I've never, you know, there's some people I know Sticky Fingers does four minute quarters when he plays because time is short. And I definitely understand those people that play less, but I just can't do it. I, I, I have to play 48 minute games. I'm the same way, and it's for those exact same reasons, basically. And I will play a shorter game if I'm just mucking around, or for a feature, if I just want to get screenshots, then you know I don't need to have the full 12 minutes or whatever. But if it's playing a proper game, a franchise, a career, etc., it really does have to be the uh, the 12 minutes. And it's funny, it's funny, though, because I do feel like the games these days are more being designed for the shorter quarters. Uh, I know you don't play much of my career, with my career in 2K20, the, the default length is five minutes. And if you don't change that setting before that your first game, in fact, maybe in 2K20, I don't know if you, if you even can because of the way the story leads straight into the first uh, game of the season when you get to the NBA part of it, you it's a five-minute quarters. And it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I, I want this to be my way in 12 minutes. And, and it's one of the things that bothers me. Uh, the Jordan Challenge, of course, which we brought up before when talking about uh, MJ, uh, eight-minute quarters for that challenge. Uh, online play, 2K Pro-Am, is five-minute quarters, which is, for an online game, that's a bit different. That's pretty much all you you want it to have. You don't want it to have the full length for, a, for an online game. But it, it really says to me that they're looking at that five to six minutes being the standard for what people play. And that's interesting because, again, like you and I, and I think a lot of people we grew up with, wanted to play the 48-minute game, the regulation quarters, the 82-game season, yet a lot of people do play those short seasons, and it's always kind of bothered me because, as you said, the numbers don't look right. Yep, the numbers don't look right. Um, But I want to say something about the minutes. So one thing, like, as you you know, like the challenges for my team or, like, ultimate team, they're not 12 minutes. Correct. One of my biggest issues one of my biggest issues with the new my team setup is yeah on 2k15 the when you did a challenge the minutes were like five minute quarters i want to say uh something like that um but four or five and you couldn't change there. yeah four or five minute quarters but now a lot of the challenges on my team when you went into it and it turned me off to the mode completely are like two minutes they're like two like end of the game challenge like they're like two like a minute and a half or two minutes of of basketball and then you're done with that that specific uh part of the challenge and it's like what a turnoff for me Mm. uh as a basketball gamer now i see why they do stuff like that because what it does is it allows people to um you know imagine if every my team (laughs) with all the content they have imagine if you had to play every game in my team or ultimate team at 12 minute quarters oh you couldn't (laughs) yeah You just couldn't do it. I mean, they'd have to lessen the amount of challenges that they have in order for somebody to feasibly, like, get through it. But um, that's what turned me off to the mode. And I understand that people... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'd say then it's basically just franchise mode with a custom team, if if they do that. Right, exactly. Um, But anyway, I understand that people have different play styles and and time constraints. There's a lot of people that have, um, like Sticky Finger says, he's really busy and four-minute quarters suit him. And that's fine. But for me to really get into it and immersed um, into like a my league or a season or even like really truly compete in an exhibition game, I like I stated before, I just can't do less than 48 minutes. And you mentioned 82 games. I always was puzzled at the people that 
and I understand, like I said, different play styles, but there's a lot of people out there that do 29-game seasons or whatever, or 28-game seasons. Um, And when you look at the season-end stats, I know that you can look at averages um, if you're playing 48 minutes and try to get your fix out of that. But if you look at the totals, it's just nothing nothing like real life Hmm. when you do a 28-game season. So, yeah, for all those reasons, I think we're on the same page there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also think it's why I've defaulted back to my career a lot. Obviously, I've gotten into that mode a lot over the past decade, but I can play a 48-minute game without playing all 48 minutes because you're only on the court for the amount of time that your player is on, which is, I think it maxes out about 38 minutes. Once you get to control your amount of minutes, you you can actually, once you get to that level where where you get access to the rotations, you can give yourself up to 38 minutes. Can't give yourself any more than 38 minutes. Um, I found that out trying to do that, so that's interesting. But it's it kind of streamlines the 48-minute approach for me playing my career, which is why I've perhaps enjoyed it a bit more and why I've been getting stuck on that. And obviously, building up a player for online play as well has been a, uh, a factor there. But yeah, it's, it, is, it is the numbers. It's being able to look at the, the standings at the end of the season and seeing uh, records that add up to 82 games. It's, it's playing through what's, what's happening in real life. It's trying to mimic the, the real NBA to, to some extent while also creating your own reality. That's what I've always liked about franchise mode in the past and, uh, and why I've always taken pride in playing at least one season all the way through, although it, that does get harder the, uh, the older you get and the more responsibilities that you have that uh, sometimes outweigh playing, sometimes outweigh doing that in a basketball video game, but nevertheless. Uh, and it's, it's probably why I haven't gotten through as many multiple season franchises as I would have liked over the years because uh, I've I've never felt comfortable with simulating. But although it, it is nice having the sim intervention features that they came along kind of in the mid-2000s and, and of course, the uh, total simulation control and things like that and um, other names for those modes escape me at the moment. But basically being able to jump into the games at any time or at least control the simulation a bit more, uh, both live and 2K have had that. Uh, and those are nice features for franchise mode. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is you see this in the story threads, and it always blows my mind when I see it. You know, they'll start a story, and they'll be in, you know, and they're playing the games, and they're in about 10 or 15 games in the season, and then they just decide to either simulate the rest of the season, or they'll, like, simulate four or five games and then play one, and then simulate three and then play one, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and I, I just, I can't do it. Like, if I'm going to play, like, if I'm going to play a season, I'm going to play a season. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to play every game. Um, and there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. It's just their preference. And there's there's no wrong way. There's no right and wrong way to do this. Oh, like, oh, it's cool. just, yeah. you know, it's, it's your preference. Um, but for me, when I look at, like, a simulation five-on-five basketball game that's supposed to replicate real NBA teams or the real NBA, I want to make it as realistic as possible, at least on the floor and, you know, stat accumulation and whatnot. If I wanted to play two- or three-minute quarters and shorten seasons, I'll play NBA 2K Playgrounds. Or I'll play NBA Jam. Yeah. Or, you know, so, like, if you look at the season length on NBA 2K Playgrounds 2, it's 14 or 15 games. And the quarters, I want to say, um, by default, are like two minutes. I mean, the qu- not the quarter, the game. The game like, is yeah. two or three minutes. Yeah. yeah. So that's that, that type of stuff, in my opinion, is more more for arcade games. But like I said, there's no real right or wrong way. It, it, is, it comes down to personal preference, uh, absolutely. And I, I think it helps to have a system in place. I, I look at what Phil89 does in the story section where he alternates between playing one and simulating one. He might change it up if there's a particularly interesting matchup, which I think is a good way. 
to to have that structure but not be so rigid that you can't change it up if there's the situation demands it but i think having that system in place and, and it's what i'll probably do with franchise moving forward is if i do simulate is to have that okay well i'm going to these are the games i'm going to simulate these are the games i'm going to play or i'll go one-on-one as he does uh, ha- having that system I-, I think keeps things fresh moves th- through the season uh, very quickly because I-, I don't know about you but when when i get to around about games 60 or so in a season that's when it starts to get a bit tedious because you're, you're past the all-star weekend you- you've already played that you you can see the end of the season inside you want to get to the playoffs and and, and that's when I-, I when tedium starts setting in for me but it's if tedium is setting in after five ten fifteen games uh may not have set up the may not have set up a great franchise for yourself might might not have picked the right team well a lot of times it's also because a new game comes out right and you and then you you lose your focus on the current one i want to give an example of that so nba 2k 16 my brothers all three of us he, my brother mark was using the 0102 mavericks who we modded into the game i was using the 0607 nuggets um, or excuse me, 0708 Nuggets, and my brother Nick is using the 0708 Celtics, and we played a my league, 48-minute games, uh, full 82-game seasons, and we were playing against each other for every game. And so if you think about it, we, we were 70 games into the season. That's at least 71, for, that's 210 games played. Just, that's crazy. That's a lot of time commitment. Yeah, yeah. But what happened was, is when 2K16, when we were 70 games into the season, that's just a lot of hours to play, and we we don't li- we didn't live with each other at the time. Me and Nick didn't. Um, but <laughs> 2K17 came out, and we loved 2K17 right when we were at 70 games into NBA 2K16 season. Do you think we finished that season on 2K16? Mm, yeah, that's, that, no. that, is, that is the problem new games come out every year and, and you do feel that uh, compulsion to at least check out the new game we've talked about you and i before being collectors and getting the game regardless and you know 2k18 is, is not a game i'll pull out for fun ever again but it, it's still in my collection so you, you, we get the games every year uh, to do content or, or just for our own enjoyment or uh, collection collector satisfaction so yeah the new game comes out and suddenly if you haven't finished if you've got unfinished business you know referring back to last week's uh show it ends up being unfinished. Of course, that doesn't mean you don't have that satisfaction of of all those games you played, but it is what gets in the way of, of absolutely what gets in the way of uh, finishing a season. Yeah, and I think the problem is is that if you find something better, right? So yeah. if if two K eighteen was the if two K seventeen for me was the quality of two K eighteen, that two K sixteen season not only would have been finished, but we would have finished the playoffs too. Um, but the fact is, is that 2K17 came out and it improved on many things that we didn't um, like about 2K16 at the time. Yep. Um, and it gave us that fresh new experience. And so we moved on. And I think that's the trouble. That That's the problem with somebody like me and my brothers. They're guilty, too, who <laughs> want to use to play the games and for 48 minutes and 82 games. That's That's how it was with me with NBA Live 2002, which is a game I'm oddly nostalgic for it has its issues but I, i've talked about why i'm nostalgic for it in various friday five articles before etc it's uh, it's the game that was coming out when i was finishing up high school i think i mentioned it last week and and all the week before and also of course when i took over the nlsc so it's got some nostalgia for me for that reason uh, also we you know i've got my ps2 and uh, and playing on a brand new system was uh, was was cool in that regard but i got th- about 60 odd games through the franchise first season of franchise with the kings was really enjoying it. 
um, messing with my, my lineups. I think we might have talked about this before what, with, with franchise gaming, how just the little things like seeing your stats accumulate, changing up your lineup so that you don't have the same starting lineup every single game and, and noticing that you've got players on the on the roster that haven't uh, that haven't started every single game that they've played, little things like that. But Life 2003 came out before I could finish that uh, that season. So it kind of lay dormant, and then I stupidly uh, deleted that save to make room for something else on the PS2 memory card because that's the way PS2 memory cards were. We didn't have big storage back then. And, uh, yeah, so I ended up losing that season completely and then recreated it and got some closure years later. But, yes, the new game came out, Life 2003. It has its problems as well, but I, I, did, I was enjoying that a lot more than... Uh, 2002 it was shiny new and fresh it had freestyle control it was uh i was on pc as well so we were modding it um and, and yeah that that 60 game season kind of yeah it, it ended up getting unfinished and and lost and had to be recreated many years later so that i could on some plane get some closure but I, I think you've got an advantage over me here because you do have that playing with your brothers and, and it was the same when, when my cousin would come down for the, the school holidays and we'd play we'd play through every game with nba jam we'd play a franchise and we did actually play a 2000 franchise where we had a 28 game season with the with the Blazers and uh, put put together a super team because that's we were young and that seemed like a, a, a cool idea at the time. Uh, played through a 28 se- uh, game season, a uh, single game elimination or 29. No, it would have been 28 at the time. 29 teams in 2000. Uh, 28 game season and single elimination playoffs just so that we could over the two week school holidays get through the whole thing before we had to go home. And, and play that. So there are times when I've changed up the way I play based on that, but we did still play 12-minute quarters. I mean, the thing is, is I, I don't think I could play a full 82-game season against the computer. Yeah. It just yeah. becomes impre- repetitive. So for those people out there like yourself that do that, you know, all the power to you and kudos to you because that's really tough for me because they the, C, the CPU, no matter which game, and I think it's even worse now, um, in 2K20 because I don't think the the AI is very bright. I feel like every team that I'm playing against plays the same, and I just don't see enough variety. Yeah. When I'm playing against the computer, the nice thing about playing against Mark and Nick, my two brothers, and using the um using them um us using each other yeah. to do that for <laughs> um for for a season um is it keeps it fresh. Yeah. And we use the players differently and we use the players to strengths and we have different strategies and all of that stuff. So that's really what I love. I'm not a fan of playing against the CPU. And like I said prior, that's why my YouTube channel is flooded with user versus user gameplay videos. And it's, it is it was obviously differences in the way we play. And I think you do have that advantage uh, and perhaps avoid some of the tedium that I have playing against the CPU that way. And uh, and, and funnily enough, even when, uh, when my cousin and I would, would play, my cousin Clinton and I would play those games we always played on the same team we didn't actually play against each other we always uh teamed up which uh which is different um you know co-op rather than than um than uh, competitive um but it was being able to play with each other and you know and set up alley-oops and things like that and uh and trying to getting each other stats and all that kind of stuff and being able to uh make up for sometimes the uh, the CPU teammates not being smart isn't isn't as big an issue when you've got somebody on the on the team with you controlling another player so that that was an interesting way of playing it as well and whenever we do uh, catch up to play games we always play uh we play co-op well on that note last night my brother Mark came over and all three of us were playing and what we did was we like I said I told you before the call we we tried playing all three on the same team on 2K13 and my brother Mark just wasn't feeling it mm. so we all played all three of us played on the same team and did a fantasy all-time fantasy draft um 
picked the players that we wanted, and all three of us played on the same team on 2K14. And normally we do it on 2K17, but we've also done it on 2K20, and we've started multiple seasons that way. Playing co-op is just fun. Playing on the same team and trying to get to one common goal, not only to get the win, but to um, get certain players involved and get each other involved and stuff, that is awesome. Um, And we've been doing that. My brother Nick and I have been doing that since Live 96, playing on the same team with Legends. Yeah. Um, Because like we had talked about before, Live 96 had the, the hidden Legends. That's right. Um, console versions, yeah. yeah. And, yep, and we did the same thing on NBA in the Zone 2 and whatnot. And that's why I brought up to you, um, it was in our chat online, I said, can you play co-op online in a My League? Like, let's say I have a user team in an online My League, and I say, hey, Andrew, want to play? And you play with me on the same team. But apparently you can't do that. Yeah, it's, um, it's only uh, only competitive. My League Online, yeah. That's and that's frustrating because I was going to ask you if you wanted to play. I was going to be like, hey, do you want? To do... Yeah, we would have had a blast. Um, you know, starting a season together and going through a season. So that's that's kind of a shame. I, I mean, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure. I'd, I'd have to look at it again, and uh, and probably can because they, they I believe they have fixed the uh, My League Online service issue, so they're not as uh, tedious. Because it, it took about twenty minutes sometimes to set up a a league before because syncing with the server and everything because we, we, we were actually going to do that um we were going to do a series for the some of the guys that are on the uh nlc prime squad when we we're getting sick of uh, online team play and how that's gone downhill we were looking at doing a my league and, and maybe doing a story thread or something or, or some kind of feature on it but we looked at, at how the, the server was running last year and nope that was <laughs> was not uh, not in the cards unfortunately yeah i i think the the server issues have been a problem you know, it, that's like a legacy issue now. Yeah. That's just something running, you expect. Running, running gag, it's almost. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you talk about play styles and whatnot. You see people starting leagues on Operation Sports, and they're advertising their leagues. And, and we've had a couple of people here on the NLSC, and those guys are usually a- advertising for 29-game seasons. Um, and I True. find that interesting. And I understand almost more they would do that, why they would do that, because you have – if you have every user-controlled team, that's 30 people that need to find time. Yes. Uh, so I, I understand it a little bit more in, in that capacity. So like we had talked about, a lot of it is circumstance, preference, and, and basically time. Like how much time do you have and how much time do the people that you're playing with have? Yeah, you brought up the, the co-op play, and of course that's something that why I really enjoyed the online team play of 2K Pro-Am in, in recent years, getting on with the guys. and We've, we've talked about it on the show before getting on there and, and having a chat, you know, BSing with each other and making jokes and, and having that, you know, maybe have a beer or whatever while, while you're playing and, you know, some snacks and, you, and just, it's kind of like a virtual hangout basically. And, and you, it replaces the, the couch co-op for, you know, for the digital age basically. So it, it has been fun. It's, and that's why it's not so fun when you have to play with randoms in the wreck. Uh, it works. Sometimes I, I had one last game that I played at the wreck the other night. Um, I, I, in Monday tip-off, I, I mentioned that I'm putting it aside because it's just been so terrible lately. But uh, but I needed to get on the bike because I hadn't got out for a walk that day. I hadn't done my 5Ks and uh, said, okay, I'll get on the bike and I'll play half an hour. I, I, I also on the daily spin in my career spun the, uh, the two times rep, the double rep. So I thought, okay, I'll, pl- I'll play an online game just to see if I get some closure. And it, it was a really good game. And it, it's so good, in fact, that, I'm, that this is the game I'm going to end on for this year, for Pro-Am, for, for the wreck, because it was satisfying. It left a good. It didn't leave a nasty taste in my mouth, so it's going to be the last one this year. Well, that's that's the uh, the goal, anyway. As I 
ease myself off of, uh, of career mode to spend more time with my league and my team. Um, yeah, so that, but it is something that I've, I've really enjoyed is is that that um, that co-op play, uh, one way or the other, uh, offline with my cousin, online with uh, with the guys, and, and occasionally when you get some randoms that are, that are fun to play with. Uh, something that that came to mind when you brought up the uh, fantasy drafts and picking your team in the, in the favorite players. Do you remember? And and you might because you've been playing some some of that live oh eight to ten recently. I know. Do you remember a uh, quick pick play in those games? I don't. Um, I, I want to point something out really quick, though, before you finish that thought. Sure. Um, you're talking about fantasy drafts. Yeah. Um, it's really funny how the landscape changes when you get into modding um, with fantasy drafts. Um, basically, some of our m- most amazing memories playing games was using, like, let's go back all the way to, like, Live 2000. Doing um, a draft with the current teams and making legends out of the terrible players. That was like the thing. Like, you know, like I talked about, you know, Dan Dickow and Ansu Sesse. Yeah. Or 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 Alonzo G. And when I say terrible players, I don't mean like they're terrible at basketball. I mean like the poor the players that are not stars yep. in the game. But then when you get into modding and you get into the compute the PC gaming and you have all of these new players and all of the all time teams and all of the all time players and you can you can basically fill a draft up of like 600 all of the greatest players in NBA history with cyber faces you know 2K13 2K14 2K12 and whatnot and the just that experience and that draft experience is entirely different because now instead of just using the new players in a draft like you did with the older games making memories that way you're choosing from a stock of like 500 or 600 players that are like 80 overall and higher. So I know that's kind of a random thing to bring up, but it, it's something that is very interesting when you think about it. Well, it really <laughs> is that fantasy experience. And it's obviously what teams like ultimate uh, teams modes, like ultimate team and my team are, are trying to accomplish. It's just that they have the, the microtransactions attached to them, but that is the, the concept that we, you know, the, the evolution, I suppose, and the monetization of a concept that we do enjoy. And I've, I've gone back and forth. Sometimes I've enjoyed fantasy drafts. I often, as I've said before, like to play a, f- a franchise mode, creating my own reality, starting from reality. But the, the franchise, you know, the fantasy draft is, is, a, is a fun way to do it. I know you've done a lot of stuff with that. And, and yeah, once you, once you bring in historical players and, and legends and everything, and I know that's why a lot of your rosters, you've looked to not have duplicates so that it, so that it can be set up for, for a fantasy draft. That's a great point. So, yeah. No, thank you for bringing that up. So I created an all-time teams roster for NBA 2K17, and I did it with no duplicates. And it was received very well by pretty much everybody except for two people who commented on my YouTube video. And they said, man, that's just not right. You have to have Shaq on the Lakers and the Magic. Why? Be, like it's one so way, you it's want one way Shaq, of doing it it's one way <laughs> i mean that's yeah it's a way that you can and if that's the way you prefer that's fine but why do i want to jump onto a, a virtual basketball court and have Shaq going up against Shaq? and why would i want to put this this because it's miley compatible all my rosters are but why would i want to go into a my league and look into the league leaders and see Shaq two Shaqs at the top and rebounding in blocks yeah or score like why would i want to see that so basically i also find it a lot more interesting you play putting the teams together with the players 
who were the best with them and like and that was also their best does that make sense so Shaq was a champion and the best version of himself probably with LA yeah and so we put Shaq with the Lakers um, and I think that like being able to make those choices and having to decide, hey, you know, was this player who played for multiple teams, where would, where would he fit best? Um, I think that's also really cool. There's there's a novelty to that. Um, but, yeah, as far as, you know, to go back, sorry, I went on that tangent there, but Live 08 and Live 10, I have been playing a lot of Live 10, but I don't know exactly what you're talking about as far as the quick play. Okay, so quick peek play, uh, cheap plug. I, I did a way back Wednesday on it as well pretty sure it's so you can go back and read that but basically it's it's kind of like a a temporary custom team where before the game it's, a, it's an exhibition mode where before the, the game you can do a fantasy draft and, and just put the players you want on any team that you've the, the team that you've chosen and just play a single game without having to make any trades or permanent changes to the roster and, and just play an exhibition game with these custom rosters you know quick pick play it's uh it's an idea that I wouldn't mind seeing bring back, and I guess everything is about online now, and there's no incentive. It probably wasn't that popular. I can't say that I used it all that often, but it's just one of those fun ideas from old games that was uh, that you could have a fantasy team, a custom team with all your favorites on your favorite team, just temporarily for an exhibition game without having to do any work. Really, you don't have to again, as I said, you don't have to edit the rosters. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a fun concept, and it's it's one of those things we've lost as we've lost some of those creative ideas for offline play because it's all about the online experience now yeah i think that's exciting and i want to touch on something else related to that but you know how like on nba street you have to pick your team and like you pick your players for your team yep and you do that really quickly before a game um that's what that kind of reminds me of yeah and i do think that that's really cool um but if you look at the whole removal of create a custom team that we had for years um, for NBA 2A. That's along those same lines. The nice thing about those custom teams that you could create an offline mode is, and like you could do it uh, for 2K11, I believe. You could create custom teams. Um, Either that or 2, was it 2K? I think 2K11 had that feature. I know they had it in, uh, go ahead. Up up to 14 last gen. Up to 14 last gen they had that. That's Yeah. So basically um, what you could do is it already had the art in there. So it's like, okay, well, you already have my team logo. You already have my jerseys. Let me just throw players on this team and throw them out onto the court. So um, I do think that um, the custom team thing still holds value um, in both ways. Like you said, the the really quick, quick, quick pick start thing, but also just being able to create custom teams in offline mode. Oh, Oh, definitely. And the quick pick play was... An evolution of the old classic te- classic teams, custom teams in the early days of NBA Live. You know, we have the, the jammers, the slammers, the stealers, and the blockers, and you would pick your players, and actually it would save your last selections. Yeah, so you, but then you could edit them, of course, and and you would be able to just put together favorites and you have those duplicate players on those the custom teams, and and that was fun. But I, I what I liked about the quick pick play was that you could do it with your favorite team, so you didn't have to use the the jammers you didn't have to be the jammers the slammers that i I could be the bulls but i I could select all my favorite players for this quick pick game for this custom team game basically so you could make custom teams out of nba teams so it's it's and i think it would be great to have both of those features plus the 
create a team for to be able to add a, a brand new team to the game as well. I'd love to have all those features again. But yeah, but yeah, quick, quick, quick play was uh, it was only there for a couple of years, but it's one of those uh, a really good idea I think that NBA Live had. Yeah, I uh, we talk about old features taken out of games. We've talked about that multiple times on the podcast and it's certain things like that that they could absolutely bring back and would still hold up today and still something that people would use and advertise for them they'd get free advertising from youtube definitely and people on social media and whatnot who use those modes um and use those features and stuff like that so i think um you know you're talking about drafts the biggest thing that my my brother and i have finished many seasons doing this but and you've seen some of my videos one thing that we do is we put the greatest players of all time on one team and we jump into a my league we play it on the hardest level uh and we did this with live so we can say franchise as well or season um and we crush the computer we play on the same team that's another idea for you know, for co-op. And then once we finished the season with the best players of all time, who we thought were the best, we called that Legends 1, we would start another season with Legends 2 on the same game, and it would be the second tier Legends. So it would keep it fresh. So there's so many different things you can do with co-op, and it's just so much more fun playing with another human. It, it is, and it's, like you say, crushing the computer, That that's especially on the hardest uh, difficulty setting where the computer's not always playing fair having another another human mind there with you with the human reflexes it it certainly helps out and it's it, it is satisfying to uh, to be able to team up and, and accomplish a goal as you said it is and we obviously always go 82 and 0 um because we're using the greatest players and yeah. two humans versus a computer can we can get a lot done but one of the best things and with this but this comes full circle on the stats part and your preference the preference for playing um one of our goals in that season in playing co-op is to average get certain averages with players so the biggest thing with wilt chamberlain and bill russell because they're on legends one for us and they both start bill russell at power forward is we want to make them both average 20 rebounds a game and we do but it's a challenge so we're we're constantly challenging ourselves during these games to get these certain numbers and the way to do that also and to get those numbers and to feel good about those numbers and how they stack up with real life is by playing 12 minute quarters oh you would not be able to get 20 rebounds a game with two players and three minute quarters that would be quite a feat yeah it would be unbelievable however i want to say this nba in the zone two um was one of the only games i finished an entire season on and i only played like two minute quarters and there was a glitch in the game where not a glitch just the ai was ridiculous where they would throw a inbounds pass and it would be a slow bounce and you could steal it basically a hundred percent of the time so in two to three minute quarters i was beating teams by like a hundred i was scoring or like over a hundred points so i find that funny if you go back and play nba in the zone two you can find that glitch my uh, so. that, that reminds me my cousin and i played a season with the rockets uh, in, in 95 this is of course after uh, Live 95 PC, this is after they won the championship, so we were kind of replaying the season. Uh, in hindsight, should have simulated a lot more games to get through it. But we found a, a, a glitch that if you if you positioned your the defender in front of the CPU inbounding in just the right spot, they would always try a bounce pass to get it in bounds and, and throw it out of bounds on the bounce pass. They'd throw it down into, in, into the out of bounds and, and turn it over. It was, uh, yeah, so that was an easy way to get the ball back in, in that one. Uh, we, we also, again, the, the tedium of a season, because we weren't simulating, we decided to um, 
turn rules off for a game, which is something we didn't usually do. Uh, we ended up getting 95 steals with Akeem Olajuwon. He went from like being lower in the standings to leading the league in, in steals within a game. Uh, because he had 90, <laughs> 95 steals in a game. And, and it's funny because uh, talking to uh, Rod Redekop a, a couple of uh, episodes ago, the uh, former lead programmer on NBA Live mentioning that in the studio sometimes they would just turn the rules off and shove each other all around with the the handshake button and everything. And it's uh, it's one of those things I think we did, in, or certainly I did in the early days of basketball gaming, uh, playing NBA Live 95 either on PC or Super Nintendo. I wasn't always that concerned about realism. I know I had a season with... Uh, with the Bulls, with with, uh, with Scottie Pippen averaging about eight steals and forty four points a game, and it was just, just how can I crush the computer every game? How can I win every game? And, and that is one that I, I played, uh, played every game. I think three minute quarters because I, I originally I didn't own it on Super Nintendo. I rented it, and this is something perhaps younger gamers don't understand. You know, the whole renting games, <laughs> going down to the video store and, and renting games and doing that. So I only had it like a week or a weekend to to get through all these games. So I was simulating some and I was playing three minute quarters and got through the playoffs and, uh, and, uh, or, or only playing a shorter season, the 20, would have been 26 game season at the time with 27 teams playing through it all. And then just playing through the playoffs, I think single elimination and getting through and seeing the, uh, the championship celebration, whatever it was, you know, a very, uh, 16 bit cut scene basically for lack of a better word and, uh, and doing that. So, and, and that changed, my habits changed over the years because then I got more into the, the real basketball, of course, the real NBA, and, and wanting to replicate that. And it, it went from just, oh, I want to put up some crazy numbers and not really care about playing realistically to, oh, I want, to, I want a really realistic experience out of this. And that's how I became a sim gamer. I think a lot of us start out, and maybe you're different, a lot of us start out just wanting to play basketball and doing dunk every time and do all this cool stuff in games. And then it becomes more about those goals that you mentioned, you know, averaging 20 rebounds with, uh, with Wilt and Russell. Um, or putting up realistic numbers and doing those kinds of things it becomes more about that as i as i think we get older and it's and have a, a more of an appreciation for the real sport as well well it's funny with the with the old nba live games like live 95 and 96 the whole turbo into somebody yeah, yeah. because even even if you keep the rules on you can get away with it sometimes and jar the ball yep and i always remember trying to like do it ever so like slightly like just not like full-fledged run into him but bump him enough where they lose the ball and that's when you really go back and see how primitive things were but how yeah. we didn't think about it that way it's well, you know what i mean at like the time it was advanced it's the opposite of, what at, at the time it was advanced so it was advanced at the time right exactly yeah, that was it that was that was the thing um but it's it's crazy how your expectations change and and your gaming style changes but you know we talk about glitches um i wish i still had i had proof of this but for NBA Jam for Sega CD, which is my favorite version of NBA Jam, I think. I don't know if you if you ever played it, but the music, everything, it's just, it's awesome. I love it. The, uh, uh, I've, but I've, anyway. I've only played the Super Nintendo version of original and um, tournament edition and PC version of tournament edition of, the, of those okay. ones. Yeah. Oh, and, and arcade. Oh, yeah. I've, I've played that through um, through MAME. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically, what what, what there was though with NBA Jam to, um, for the Sega CD is there was a glitch where you could goaltend everything. So there wasn't goaltending called. Oh, okay. So I had yeah, I had eighty one or eighty blocks in one game <laughs> of block. Yeah, you'd imagine. And uh, I'll never forget it. I kept. I didn't want to turn the game off. Like I had it up on the screen and it showed his number of blocks, but I mean, what, what back then it's 1995 or something. 
1994. I'm not like like I am now. I'm not taking screenshots and posting it on social me- media, but I wish I had a screenshot of that. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be taking pictures of the screen with a, a camera, that, not a digital camera either, a film camera, and, and maybe it gets developed and maybe it maybe it turns out properly. I've I've got oh, and I mail it and I mail it to Australia so so you can see it. Yeah, I, I think I I think I have some screenshots, some photos rather of of me playing of the screen of me playing Live ninety six PC. I'll I'll try and dig them up and if I can find them, I'll uh, I'll put them out there on on social media. It, it's just funny, you know, because that, that's that's all we could do. We didn't have screenshot for the average home user didn't have screenshots and certainly if you were playing on console you wouldn't um yeah that, that is that is if funny you wanted to show off your, you know, if you wanted to show off your gameplay what'd you do you had your friends over yeah that's what you did like you you were like oh my god check out this game you know like it was even back then when i was playing like inside drive there you know the series for microsoft yep. we weren't sharing um we weren't sharing that stuff on social media we had a my friend craig and i had a season going with the celtics on nba inside drive 2004 or 2003 and one of the guys that played on the basketball team with us was like hey i haven't played that i want to check it out um you know they weren't jumping on youtube to view videos of nba inside drive no, we no. had to have that guy we had to have him come over and we showed him the game well, so like, it's crazy how times are depending on your setup maybe with the consoles you might depending on if you set up through the vcr you might be able to tape what you're playing some people did that if, if if it's set up you know i didn't have it set up that way i had it through the rf uh connection on the tv so i, I, I didn't have any recording set up for that so you might be able to do it that way i, I remember how much of a big deal it was and the, the pc version of, of live 2000 and, and actually i think 98 99 let it as well because that that's, that's the only games in the nba live series that have in-game saves but you could also save replays and watch the replays over. You could do it in Michael Jordan in flight as well. That's a game from 93, so that's a very early example of being able to do it. But Live 98, I remember, that's when people started posting replays on the NLSC. This is before I took over running the site and, and uploading that and uploading scenarios from the, save, the in-game saves, but also uploading the highlights. And then NBA Live 2001, of course, PC, had the video export option where you could actually export it as an AVI. Um, yeah, and, and actually save your replays that way and i wish i still had some of the original ones from back in the day but they, they've been lost and over many discs and backups over the years and external hard drives and whatever um yeah to actually the, the, actually be able to export your highlights which we can do at the touch of a button on con- modern consoles we can do and of course with bandicam and, and, and action re- recorder and everything we can do on pc as well quite easily and, and other stuff and uh, fraps and whatever but yeah, those early early days of actually being able to save a highlight, and if, if something crazy happened, being able to show proof of it, that that's yeah. And now again, you, something cool happens, you got a recording of it very easily. You chuck it up on YouTube for everybody to see. Uh, back in the day, you either had to happen when people were watching, or they had to take your word for it, basically. You know what I miss? I miss printing stats. Mm, I miss hooking yeah. up a printer to my computer and seeing those stat sheets printed. They looked so cool, like being able it you when you printed your stats it was a great feeling i remember doing that on nba live 98 i remember hooking up the um there was like a print option yep on nba yep. live 98 and you could just have it print and it printed so it it just looked cool and i missed that i, I think i told I, I mentioned on a previous podcast i think it was the 25th anniversary of nba live how with um tecmo super nba basketball not nba live related but we were talking about classic games how I went upstairs and typed up recaps of the season I was playing with the Pistons. Yep, yep. Uh, with Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and 
and all of that stuff. And I think being able to print stats and seeing that and, and typing up your own articles about the games and stuff like that, um, we really had to use our imagination. And that's why I, I sometimes, like, when I go into the story section, I get nostalgia, you know, the, the story section on, on NLSC. And I see people, like, basically p- posting fake recaps of the games as far as, like, fake interviews. And they're using their imagination and it just it brings when I see that it brings back memories of me doing that on Tecmo Super NBA basketball and printing out the stat sheets and and and, and all of that stuff. And it's it's those games that we grew up with that we had to use our imagination and fill in the gaps and create a story is why we we do feel that way. And it it is that that generation gap, that generational divide, I think, between us and, and the younger gamers that perhaps don't appreciate. And, and and fair enough too because they haven't had to do that. You've you've had, you've had the story modes in my GM. Or my league, uh, my league, my career, and having having more stuff pushed out there, and not having to imagine players getting upset because there is a chemistry rating now, things like that. We that we just had to imagine if we wanted to do that, and it was it was great, and that's I think what's really shaped our our love of those modes, and it it, it is really what you grow up with, and it's it's why I, you know, there's obviously the, the the sniping back and forth between different age groups within the demographic, but. It, again, it, it is what you what you're used to, what we grew up with. We grew up in those games of the, well, even the games from the early '90s, but certainly the ones that really stuck in my mind are the ones from the, the late '90s, the mid to late '90s, and the early 2000s that really shaped, uh, especially those games from the early 2000s, as we saw the game getting better and becoming more, starting to resemble the games of today. They're not as technical, technologically advanced, of course, but they're starting to resemble what the games would then become once the tech allowed it, and, and just seeing how we'd. We'd go to that multi-year franchise in the late, the late '90s, early 2000s when that came in, and uh, and the depth that would be added to that franchise experience, and and the legends and things that have become very commonplace and, and expanded upon beyond anything that we could really imagine would ever be possible back then. It's uh, to see it come together, and we were there for those early days. So I think that's sometimes why we appreciate things that uh, that yeah, that maybe some people that have always had it uh, take for granted because we do remember that time when we had to imagine like. Oh yeah, that looks like Dennis Rodman because his hair's changing. The face is just a generic face with two eyes, two dots for eyes. <laughs> but it, you know, that's changing hair. That's Dennis Rodman. And then when we actually got proper faces, around about the ninety-seven, ninety-eight, uh, because of the three D revolution and everything, it's uh, it's it's why we really appreciate that, and, and probably why I don't. You know, I I do understand the criticisms of faces and jerseys and things that don't look accurate because it's very important to get that accurate. Don't get me wrong, but because I've come from that time when seeing actual logos on the jerseys and names on the jerseys and proper numbers and actual faces since since i've i remember a time before that was a thing i I guess i I don't want to say i'm not a i won't criticize the graphics at all but i an inaccuracy won't i I won't see a small accuracy say oh that ruins the game for me that's i think uh, perhaps a, a generational gap there because if you're much younger you've grown up with games that are photorealistic and and you've got that higher standard i guess there's a difference between expectations and what you can accept. True. Right? So I think that's the thing. And I think that us who grew up with um, more primitive games and more primitive technology can accept a lot more than um, some other people. Um, and we can still see the the value in playing using that player even if they don't look entirely up to par. Um, and you mentioned this is a you know, this goes back to what I've mentioned several times on prior podcasts, podcasts is you, you talked about like 97, 98 is when we started seeing real faces 
like yep. real better looking faces. Um, and that's right in line with NBA action 98 and NBA fast break 98, which we talked about in the game that first truly wowed me. Um, and, and you, which you, by you, the way, I still, you, didn't you just get that NBA action 98 or is you got fast? Break. So this is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a pissed off podcast member right now. So I ordered that on Wednesday and I did express shipping um, I paid an extra $5 for me to get it on Friday and I just tracked the package and I'm not getting it until next Wednesday. Oof. Now I want to say, yeah, I want to say that, um, and by the way, I don't think you understand you may know, maybe you do because you're crazy like me and obsessed with basketball gaming. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't think I, I was so excited to get this on Friday. I was checking the mailbox and like, because it's either delivered in my mailbox or at my door, at my secure door. Um, I was checking both of them multiple times a day. Yeah, no, I, and, I've, I've been there with when I've ordered something from my collection. Yeah, you're, you're eager to see it. It's like Christmas, whether you're a kid. It never gets old, getting a new game. Um, or a game you played before and you haven't played in a while. But NBA Action 98 is important to me because, like I said, NBA Fast Break 98 is the version that I played, and I played that for PlayStation. I've never played NBA Action 98, the PC version, and while the gameplay is probably um, the same and yeah. the menus, are, from what I can tell, the music is different. Okay. Um, so the music is slightly different for uh, the gameplay because I looked it up online on YouTube, but also it's just getting back to a game that I loved so much. And was my first true wow factor, um, like my biggest wow factor in basketball gaming. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think I think part of coming from a more primitive time in basketball gaming does make us more accepting. But I also think that it makes us critique fun and gameplay more. I think that we come from a time where it was loose fun when we were playing the games and when you have so many issues that prevent, um, the flow of basketball, like we had talked about, like the being sucked into other players, um, and, uh, you know, the skating all over the court and, and stuff like that. And really frustrating aspects of gameplay. I think we probably critique that more and notice it more. Um, because we come from a time where it was all about fun. Yeah. You picked up a game, and it was more simple controls, and it was more simple fun. And now they've, um, at times, they hurt the games by trying to do too much. And, and also things like grinding and microtransactions and ha- having to work to get the, your player to a, a really playable state. There's less of that pick up and play in the in the flagship modes like my career or the online connected experiences. It's it's something that I think we look at that and, and realize we used to get. It felt like we got a lot more bang for our buck just buying a base game, not having to. Not and, and yes, you can enjoy the current two K games without spending any money, but the pressure is certain certainly there. And it's it's something I was watching an old Jim Sterling video, and I think we're keeping up a streak of mentioning uh, the great Jim Sterling on this show every week. But I was watch, rewatching one of his videos, and he's talking about the the whole gun to the head idea. No one's got a gun to your head, but certainly the pressure is there. And, and if that is your baseline for as you pointed out, if that is your baseline for um, for an acceptable approach to gaming, oh, no one's got a gun to your head. No, but there certainly is pressure there to to spend money or to grind uh, <laughs> grind out a lot of uh, time to actually get it to a to a playable state. Then that that is definitely a problem. And, and certainly, the current games are 
uh, doing that and it's it's kind of if you want to have that great experience with Mike Reed, you either have to grind or pay or with my team or buy the special edition so you've got all the pre-order bonuses and things like that that, uh, that will give you that great boost at the start and, and that's something we didn't have to worry about in those games and I think that's why that uh, not to say the younger generation aren't seeing that and are starting to get frustrated with it because they certainly are but because we come from a time that was before that and it was all about fun and the experience on the virtual hardwood about the basketball and not about this this other stuff about current revenue and all that kind of stuff we see that and i think that's why it bothers us a lot more because we remember a time and people can okay boomerist about this but we remember the time when the games were about that kind of fun and it's it's we've seen that shift in the gaming industry not just in basketball games but other games as well and it's it's been frustrating to see and uh, you know we we want that not just for ourselves to get back to that for nostalgia but saying that was a really that was a great approach for us as consumers you know and we're trying to look out for everybody when, when we say this and for kids it's the social pressure too there's a social pressure to play these games and to get your player up to par and to be able to um compete and get out there and you'll be able to you know play with your friends and stuff so there's definitely a social pressure but you know i was probably i uploaded a 2k13 i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say even even the the clothes you wear your virtual players clothes you know it's become about that and and again jim sterling has touched on this in, I believe it's Fortnite where they're calling people, you know, default has become a, a, a an insult if you're just wearing one of the default skins, using one of the default skins. If you're wearing one of the default outfits or a pre-order outfit or something in the in the playground in 2K, people don't want to play with you because you look like like a noob. You know, you, you look like you're uh, or you that you haven't that you're not sinking time and money into the game to be able to build up your player and buy all the ridiculously expensive cosmetic items so the pressure is definitely there and, and it's uh it's uh it's bullshit frankly you know that the, the kids are being pressured like that and it's even if it's they're not ending up spending any money on the game that there's that toxicity that perhaps again we didn't have when we were playing on the couch with each other because you know you, you have to play nice with people because otherwise you don't get invited back or you you know you won't go over to people's houses anymore no, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing I was going to um, bring up real quick is, so I uploaded a 2K13 gameplay video recently, as you saw, um, using the URB roster, which congratulations to Sco and Slim. Um, great job yep, on that. Definitely. Um, the 2020 roster. And so it's I, I uploaded a video of the Hawks um, versus the Nets. And I'm using the Nets. And if you watch the gameplay, it's just, you can see, this is, you can see the fun. You can see the fun in games. You can see when things are happening that are enjoyable, and you can even see the control a user has as by has is, oh my god, a, a user control uh, uh, the control a user has when watching somebody's highlights or somebody's gameplay. And one of the first comments, which several people liked it, and I appreciated this, was he goes somewhere along the way in next gen they just couldn't get it right. They couldn't match the 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 gameplay feel and fluidity of last gen's games and that goes back to my whole thing that nothing not everything gets better at time but you know like i was just talking about and the point i was making about how the older games were including 2k13 by the way which um kind of turned you on to the series because it had the right stick dribbling but it has um 2k 2k13 and prior has that fun 
factor, the the contr- the feel on the sticks, the um I let the I can play this game and I can pick up, I can play this game and I can have a good time and I can have more enjoyment over over frustration with less issues, right? So I really appreciate it was Triad who's also a member on the NLSC who made that comment on the video. Um and you see TG so good um and the live can comment on the video too about things they loved about 2k 13 and it just goes back to the whole thing that i just mentioned but i'd like to see games get back to that i'd like to see um games become more uh, pick up and play friendly i'd like to see them become more fun overall than more than than frustrating and have less gameplay issues um because sure you know you have you know with 2k 20 you have more signature moves like you have more animations overall but that doesn't necessarily mean that the gameplay overall is a more authentic or b more fun and it does come down to the approach and again the grinding the microtransactions the focus on that the shift in the whole industry basically and we remember a time when it was very much pick up and play and and while we can go back and pick up those games and yes we have nostalgia for them but a lot of them do hold up sometimes better than we we thought we mentioned that I think last week that sometimes you go back to a game and think, "Oh, this <laughs> this wasn't that good," or "Oh, this hasn't aged well." Other times you do think this is fantastic, and and sometimes you and you can enjoy it even though it does have that primitive technology. Uh, I think you brought up last week uh, NBA Jam when Dikemi Mutombo looked like uh, Kendall Gill. Um, I think was the example you used, and uh, I I forgot to mention it at the time, and I wanted to bring it up because it uh, it it just rang uh, so true with me. Is that uh, Kendall Mutombo sounds like a, a generated player in a franchise mode? Um, or maybe yeah you know when they do the whole yeah if you sim like 70 seasons they just start coming up with these wacky names John Olajuwon and, like... and Dikembe Gill <laughs> so it's uh, yeah that reminded me exactly that I said that's m- mashing those two players together that, that is that is a perfect Kendall Mutombo that's uh, that, that's, a, that's a player that you get in a franchise mode that turns out to be a star and you remember him even though he's fictional years later um, uh, Boris uh, Boris Perko <laughs> you know a game didn't age well sorry i just wanted to want to lose a slot fox sports nba basketball 2000 that game has not aged well no no it's um <laughs> you, you picked that one up as well this past week yeah i showed you the video i posted on my twitter of me of Shaq putting it up off the bottom of the rim about yep. seven or eight times in a row uh yeah that game I, I like the commentary doc rivers is on the commentary which i find amusing yeah, because he coached that year. He, he ended up coaching the, the Magic, the first year with the Magic. Yeah, exactly. So I found it, I found it um, kind of unique, um, you know, having him in the booth. Commentary isn't that bad either. Um, it's pretty good, but the gameplay has not aged well. It, no, and, and some some of those faces are hysterical. You know, I, I can't boot up that game without laughing. I, I'm working on a way back Wednesday, and, and you can see some good ideas. It's got a random team select, which wasn't that common at the time. It's got other. It's got some other stuff as well. The, the faces, the ones that look pretty good, do look good. It's just that they're stuck in cheesy grins when they in neutral situations, like Kobe in particular is uh, is quite funny in that regard. And uh, AC Green as well as <laughs> he's got this really hyped expression on his face at all times. The, the gameplay, you can pretty much walk in and dunk every single time as well. It's uh, but you can see the aspects of the, that it did, and, and that was the other thing about games in the, when they when there were so many games in the late nineties, early two thousands is that there were brand leaders live for many years, and then 2K came along and it was doing great things as well. But all the other games, they may not have been the same quality to the gameplay and the overall product, but a lot of them did something 
just a little bit different or they had some some kind of hook that's like well that's interesting and maybe they needed to do that because they they weren't as good as nba live or nba 2k but they had some kind of little feature that maybe the the big games the big name at the time wasn't doing and they have uh, and the, the commentary with doc rivers if there's one thing that it's better than 2000 in nba live 2000 that is it's that Doc Rivers is doing a lot better job than Reggie Theus, who sounds like... Lutz said it best back in the day in his review of NBA Live 2000 when he said that Reggie Theus had a plane to catch when he recorded the commentary for Live 2000 because he just sounds disinterested and there's very, he just very rarely chimes in and he doesn't have a lot of lines. It's, it's like, oh, you know, we've got five minutes to give you some lines, guys, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's all he gave. But have you noticed the weird thing about the commentary in, in uh, Fox Sports 2000, which, I'll, you know, Fox Sports NBA Basketball 2000, let's call it Fox Sports 2000 for short, have you noticed that the commentary continues talking even when you pause the game and it just goes on and on? It does. It, it not, on, not only that, have you noticed that they don't react to what's going on most of the time? Yeah. Shaq's literally in there putting up seven bricks in a row under the rim and they don't mention anything about it. No. They're just talking like, 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 like it's not happening. Um, I did notice that um, as far as the commentary goes. You know what, what Fox Sports did, though? Right. Oh, first off, Reggie Theus has one of the best mustaches in NBA history. I just want to point that out. Uh, okay, okay. Be- better than Adam Morrison? Because he's mustache- one of the he- his mustache speaks to him, as we know from that NBA Live 07 commercial. <laughs> the great mustachio is what you called him. Yeah, um, he, Spokane's uh, yeah, most wanted. He um, no, I, that's why I said one of the best. I don't think Reggie Theus has a better mustache, but um, Reggie Theus did have a sweet mullet at yep. one point and super curly hair. Um, some great hairdos from the eighties. But one thing that we talked about on the past podcast um, and, and prior podcasts that I think I really enjoyed about Fox sports, NBA basketball 2000 is the intro video. Yes. Great intro yeah. video with real life action of the NBA. And of course, none of the stuff you see on the video you can do in the game, but <laughs> yeah. it was still, uh, it was still really cool to see. Do you prefer that or the in-game renderings that they would later do? And of course now they've just dropped it completely. Except, well, li- li- live, live, live action. Yeah, I, I prefer NBA, like NBA Fast Break '98, um, NBA Fox Sports, NBA Basketball. Uh, the a lot of the early 2000s titles had that real live NBA action, um, and that's what I prefer for an intro video. I, I go back and forth because I, I do like. I think once it got to the point where they could actually show in-game footage that looked good and, re- and fairly realistic you know and you look at what uh, shady did with the nba uh 2k 17 intro was just incredible i loved what shady did with that um boy talk about i already have nostalgia for that um yeah. you know something there's ago. something about yeah um there's something about putting on nba 2k 17 and hearing um the the beginning of that song and then you know, watching the highlights and 2K17 looked good. So those highlights also look good. But if you go back and you look at some of the old live games, NBA Live 2002 had re- uh, had uh, the games, the video game gameplay as the highlights. Yeah. Uh, for the game, um, and it's it's kind of cool to see. Live 2003 did too, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, because they had like the Jason Kidd pass. Um, yep. In yep. the dunks and all of that stuff, because Jason Kidd. Uh, was the um, the cover athlete it, it, for it, live two thousand? It became the standard around about that time between from the early two thousands through. Once it got to the point where they had pretty good models, live two thousand one has a very interesting approach in that it it's mostly Kevin Garnett in the uh, in, in the mo- in the mocap suit. 
it's him performing mocap and, and also shots of Montel Jordan singing the uh, the theme song. <laughs> yeah. And uh it's unstoppable is the song he's singing. That's the one, yeah. Say. Yeah. No, that is the one. And I I like that song actually. Um and and you see that and it's 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 KG doing the mocap and then he's also it finishes with there's some in-game footage in the background and it finishes off with him doing the dunk. Um an in-game render of 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 that. So it's and that was the transition from those for live at least, but for those realist for the real footage that they used to the in game footage and then um two thousand two did it and two thousand three. Two thousand four see two thousand four has not because I retweeted this video the other day for the official uh, NBA uh official NLRC Twitter rather. It was the live two thousand four intro. Technically not the intro actually, it's the attract mode uh video, which was probably was originally going to be the intro, but all the intros for Live two thousand four were the players and also Marv Albert and uh, Mike Fratello introducing the game, if you recall. They were those little clips of the players and uh, and LeBron's in there and, and such from the the draft combine and things like that. But the, the what was probably going to be originally going to be the intro it turned out to be the attract mode. If you leave it idling in the menus, it'll come up as the, you know, as as the demo, basically, as, as the attract mode, as, as the games used to do. But that, that's it is using the in-game, uh, in-game assets to do that, and that was what what basically became the the, the 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 standard intro for NBA Live for many years after that, but it sort of started with Live 2001. Um, and I think that there's some pretty good ones there, and obviously what Shady did with 2K17 stands out, as we just mentioned, but there is something very nostalgic, something very cool about uh, seeing those real highlights. It gets you hyped to play, I think. I want to say that it was Live 2004 that had the little cutscenes of like Yao Ming saying... Um, yep, that's what, know, was, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Okay, okay that's what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, we might have different language as far as how what we call those. I guess I call them cutscenes, but I guess cutscenes probably isn't appropriate okay. because cutscenes is more what you think of in gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. Little, uh-huh. well, they, yeah. Little clips of the players uh, and uh, Mike Fratello and Marv Albert talking about and yeah, EA Sports and saying EA Sports is in the game, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it, exactly. And and I always think of Yao Ming. Um, because he does it and it's um it's kind of cool yeah. but no i think it's little things like that that i love and i miss um you, like we had talked about they've removed the intro videos from the games now for nba 2k there's no more um introduction video like shady made for 2k 17 or real highlights or anything and then also the cutscenes are more related to you know for 2k and 2k tv it's more like chris manning talking or that new lady they have i can't think of what her name is um and or they'll show like some guy saying watch this move and it's like this two, this um that's his voice by the way and it's this guy hyping up like some highlights from the either 2k league or just something from some random user or something like that and it's never like a good highlight either no no offense but it just isn't so like they i, I kind of miss the the real nba cutscenes. In yeah, videos? No, I, and I, I, I definitely said uh, Alexis Morgan, by the way, is the new co-host of, uh, of 2K TV. Thank you. I couldn't remember. Yeah, I couldn't remember her name. But I mean, yes, those early games is what uh, what shaped our the way we look at games, the way we our expectations of games. Uh, you know, we, we, again, we come from a time when uh, Kendall Mutombo was a thing, kind of. Uh, we we established habits at those times because it, it is us being uh, teenagers, preteens, and then even just into our early 20s as gamers, just what, what we expected and what we liked. 
what's what's one of the weirdest things you've done with uh, with a franchise or, or, or basketball gaming? What, what, what's uh, what, what's a weird thing you used to do back in or that you did at, at least once uh, back in the early days of uh, hitting the virtual hardwood? Well, there's certain things that I think a lot of people maybe did back then. Like I would create. You, like when you could do like custom teams, you'd create yourself and then oh, I'd yeah. create my, yep. and then we would create maybe family, other family members <laughs> the best we could, or we would create um, like our friends and we would try to put them all on the same team. And sometimes we would exaggerate their height <laughs> because it's no fun playing with a bunch of guys, six, two and under. Yeah. Yeah. At, um, as well, or, you know, trying to bang with Hakeem Olajuwon down there. Um, when you're six, two. So, yeah. So that's one thing that, that I always did. Um, I think that Tecmo super NBA basketball season that I played where every, after every game, I'd type up highlights, uh, uh, type up, excuse me, an article explaining the game. And then, you know, basically write down the stat, um, excuse me, type out the stats as well. And then cut out a picture of like Isaiah Thomas from a magazine (laughs) and put him on the article. Or, you know, and stuff like that. I, I'd consider that to be kind of an odd thing to do. But at the same time, I felt it was pretty creative, and I still think it is. Oh, you know, definitely, at yeah. This time. It's, um, it's, it's what, I mean, it's what people do with YouTube series. I mean, not that specifically, but making a series out of something, making some content out of it. We didn't really share it with anybody back in the day. I, I did have some stories, obviously, in a, a story section of the forum, and even before that with the NBA Live Domain, which I ran before I took over the NLSC. I, my and my cousin and I, we, we would do those recaps and those stats and everything. We had them up in glorious HTML up on the on the site to uh, to do that. Um, yeah, so it's it's something people did. So it's it's kind of crazy to look back on, but but I think it's now we have more tools to do that and create that content and share it. But it was kind of just for ourselves back then. Yeah, I think the other thing that. Um that we did. And this is going to sound goofy to you people, but it shouldn't, if you really think about it, because they came out with games like Mario tennis and they put Mario with a tennis racket, but with some older games where you could create players, we created, tried to create like cartoon leagues and cartoon teams. And no, no, you couldn't make it look like Yoshi from super Mario world. You can't do that. You know, modding you may be able to now it would be really tough but back then we used to try to use our imagination and put like you know superhero teams together or cartoon teams together and stuff like that and put them on on the court um but that's what you had to do back then you had to use your imagination and you had to try to find different ways of having fun uh with the games do you have a copy of nba live 95 pc i don't i have it um and i and probably sounds illegal because, but I owned it for like a large portion of my life. I do have it on an emulator. Okay. Uh, if you but can, I know you're supposed to own a hard copy if you have it. If you if you can get the hold of the PC version, the the silly the, the NBA, Luta's roster pack for Live ninety five, which is still available in our download section, includes the silly rosters. And on that, uh, Chicago is replaced. Uh, he's got Michael Jordan on the bench. Lutz wasn't a big Michael Jordan fan, although he does acknowledge his greatness. Um, more of a, more of a Wilk guy, but anyway. That was a, that was a whole thing back in the day with the um, ribbing each other on that one. Uh, but the other thing on the Chicago team, it's got because of course set in Chicago was uh, married with children back in the day was set in Chicago. So the starting lineup of the Bulls is now the main characters from Married with Children, Al Bundy, Peg Bundy, and everything. Um, Beavis and Butthead are created on one of the teams. Um, the Washington uh, then Bullets are replaced by politicians. 
so it's just all kinds of silly stuff that he's got in that roster. It's it's worth checking out. I, I want to do that for Way Back Wednesday. I want to go back and look at some of those uh, silly rosters and, and weird stuff that we did back in the day. I also made some great Legends and Champs rosters for, for later games as well. But that's the kind of silly stuff that you did. So I, I totally relate to that. And we've, you can actually re- still replay that. Well, you look back at NBA Jam and the secret cheat codes that you could use to get like Bill and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And Fresh use them, stuff like that. So it's, yeah, I know we, we think sometimes we're crazy, like, oh, who would do that? Or, or who would, um, who would envision um, Yoshi holding a tennis racket and playing tennis? Yeah. But they made video games out of it. And oh. NBA Jam had cheat codes to unlock characters like that. Oh, you, let's, let's put the mascot out there, the Hornet. Yeah. And let, have him play. So um, it's kind of cool when you see the creators of games, too, using their... Um, imaginations and and that's why while i don't like mario tennis i like i think i played the first one a little bit i appreciate the idea of what they did with it oh yeah absolutely so the craziest one of the craziest things i've done with a basketball game uh in in a friend in a season mode of of live 96 is i went out of my way to lose a game you threw a game. I, I, I lost a game. See, I, I'd started, I'd, had, I'd made my 97, 98 season rosters opening night and everything. I'd even changed some of the schedule around because there was a schedule editor in uh, uh, Tim's uh, NBA Live 96 editor. And I'd switched a couple of the games around so that the opening game was against the Celtics, as it was in the 97 season. For the 97, 98 season, the Bulls played the Celtics. And the young Celtics team with Antoine Walker, and well, you, you'll know it's the 97, 98 team. So uh, uh, Chauncey Billups. Um, Greg Myers right. was still around. You, yeah. you know the team. Um, you know you definitely yeah. know the team. Antoine Walker in his second year, before Paul Pierce came the next year in ninety eight, ninety nine. But they, the Bulls were upset. Defending champions got upset opening night and lost to the Celtics. So I wanted to start out my season the way the Bulls had. So I lost the game, which meant I had to personally, I, I intentionally rather play like crap in the fourth quarter just to make sure that I lost this game, um, and 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 also trying to get realistic stats, realistic scores. In, in 12 minute quarters on NBA Live 96 so I ended up losing something like I, I couldn't get the exact score but it was pretty close to the exact score that they lost to and that's, that's, that's pretty crazy but then I'd found that I'd made a mistake in the stats for Kurt Thomas and because I'd ended the wrong previous season stats I made a mistake he was averaging 140 points per game over the first few games <laughs> which Kurt, uh, Kurt, Thomas, Kurt Thomas pretty solid <laughs> player but I'm like I have to start this again so not only did I start the season again, I intentionally lost that game again. That is how crazy I was. Oh, see, it's, and I, that's the thing, though, is, do you feel bad? No, no you, of course no. You, no, you don't feel bad because you, that's the type of franchise player you were, I wanted, you were I wanted, being. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to start off in a hole like they had. Yeah, and you know, the other thing, too, the other thing I wanted to mention is, there's a huge difference, in my opinion, between throwing a game against a CPU in a season that you're trying as hard as you can to, to make realistic than if you were doing that against a human. Oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. you, you don't throw that game against a human. No, I don't. Um, no, I, I would try yeah. to win that. It, it was more of setting up a scenario for myself against a CPU, so, which, which you can do. When it's, and that's why people, when they talk about, oh, hacking doesn't hurt anybody, it's, oh, and the, the, it's a greedy company and everything that wants us to pay for VC and upgrades – no disagreement there but when you're playing with somebody else and and the example i always use is flipping the board in monopoly when you're when you're upset with how the game is going you don't be that dick you know you don't be that person that nobody wants to play with 
when it, when somebody else is involved, it's not just about your experience, and there has to be that common ground of what's what counts as sporting. It's why we, we went, I used to play NBA Jam TE on on uh, Super Nintendo with my friends. We'd we'd enter cheat codes like the dunk from anywhere code and anything else we'd remember. But the, the, the agreement was that everybody gets to enter a cheat code. Both sides, both players get to enter a cheat code and try and play with this souped-up, crazy game. And if if you don't get the code in and only one person's got the code activated, we'd start the game again. That was the gentleman's agreement to cheating. Yeah, there's a lot of gentleman's agreements that actually happen with 2K now. Oh, you can't run the pick-and-roll over and over again with 2K17. That's cheating. Mm. Um, you can't go wide on the fast break against the AI. That's cheating. There's the, there's stuff like that um, that still happens. But I appreciate you bringing up the 97-98 Celtics with Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer and and Antoine Walker. It, it, it was a poor period for, um, for Celtics um, performance-wise, record-wise, but those are some of my most fond years watching Celtics. It's oh, nice. and, and wait, I wanted to point out, Jordan got Ron Mercer back later with the Wizards with that two-handed block off the glass. Oh, yes, yes. So, yeah, one of the... Uh... One of the best blocks by a guard, uh, if, if nothing else, in NBA history. Yeah, but he was he was uh, the the crappy Wizards Jordan. Never forget. I just you know people don't understand how good he was, especially with before he hurt his knee in, in 0102. Um, like I said, he had the Wizards in roughly fourth place. I want to say in the Eastern Conference, fifty games into the season. He did, yeah. Uh, and he his numbers went parallel with the best version of Tracy McGrady. So and he was 38, 39 years old. So, like I said, in my opinion, if you look at the big picture, his wizard years help his legacy. You know, the funny thing is that he, because he retired in 2003, that final time that he it was, it was within a season of overlapping with LeBron's career. That's it's kind of funny to think. And similarly, because of because of magic came back in the 96 season. Uh, was was a year away from playing with Kobe Bryant. Imagine if he'd come yeah, back for but, one more year. <laughs> and John Stockton and Carl Malone played um, against Larry Bird at his best, and then played against Jordan at his best, and then played against Tracy McGrady at his best. And Iverson, but, yeah, and Kobe, you yeah, know, it's a... and Iverson, yeah, exactly. Kobe and Iverson and all those guys at their best, but and they held their own. John Stockton at age forty was still a top guard in the league. He was still very good at age 39, 40, and Carl Malone was still averaging 20 points per game at age, like, 39 mm. or 38, you know, before he ended up going over to the Lakers. So, you know, people want to say, oh, plumbers and, oh, these guys couldn't play today. Yeah, well, how about guys that played 20 years? The, the, over, or, the overlapping, yeah, it's, it's something people don't yeah, bring up. Yeah. They, don't, they just don't think about it. Do you remember the, the whispers that, that uh, the Magic was considering going to the Heat for a final season in 97 because Pat Riley was there? No, but did you hear the whispers about Dave Cowens almost uh, joking about coming back after David Robinson scored 70? No, I, did, I don't remember those ones. Uh. <laughs> so, no, we're both... Uh, I don't know about the Magic thing. You don't know about the David Robinson thing, so I guess we both have some research to do. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I didn't know for years that uh, Isaiah Thomas, that there was a possibility he was going to go to the Knicks in 94. Uh, they, they talked about a trade. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about Did you hear about the Barkley-Worthy trade that fell through? Yes, yes, yeah. And yeah. These, these are all great ideas for what-if rosters, incidentally. Yeah, they really are. Um, but yeah. So wait, no, so Magic Johnson almost came back for the Heat which season? Uh, well, he'd come back for the Lakers in 96, and then there was... He'd considered the Heat. Or, or, I don't think it was ever very serious, but the, the, he, he did mention talking... He'd mentioned you know, considering going to the Heat, because Pat Riley was coaching 
the uh, the heat at the time, and and and, and considered going there for a, like a final season. Um, but or, it was either between that or staying with the Lakers for another season. But and after this, after they drafted Kobe, and yeah, we could have actually seen Kobe and uh, and Magic together on the same team, and Shaq, yeah, on the on the same team. Magic, all he would have had to do was stay one season, yeah, one more season, and he would have played with Kobe and Shaq. And I'll tell you what, I'd use them on a video game all the time. It's it's like that a crazy um, uh, yeah, what if scenarios, but that 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 stat they brought up that Shaq has has played with everybody, every NBA Finals dating back to the early 80s, has had a player that Shaq has played with at some point. For, like, for, like for 35, 36 years running. It's it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it shows... Um, and I appreciate what Shaq did because of his size, too. Mm. Like, as far as how long he played. Like, look how many centers don't last that long because of foot issues. Yao Ming? Or, uh, yep, Yao Ming. Um Daryl Dawkins didn't last that long. Uh, you you have a bunch of centers that just didn't last that long. Um, and I find it fascinating with big guys like Shaq who carried that much weight um, play as long as they did. I, I tell you, Shaq, obviously dominant in real life. Video games, he could be very dominant as well. He was never more dominant, appropriately enough, I suppose, than in Live 2002. I could not stop him. On 12-minute quarters playing Live 2002, he would always drop... I, I think... The best I held him to was maybe about 38, 40 points. He he once scored 73 on me. He was unstoppable in that game. That's because going up and down the floor, too, he was a speed demon. Mm. Like, if you, like, in that game, he was very fast. I know exactly what you're talking about, and he would just go through people. Well, well no physics. You could, he couldn't bump him or anything. It was, uh, but, yeah, he was just, like, ducking on everybody. But know? then Live 2003 brought in the uh, take charge button, the flop button, and I held him to six points the very next year, and it changed the game. So. Yeah, I mean, they probably knew of that issue, um, and that's why they did it. So, and like like you said, like the next game, you were able to like take charges and stuff. They probably were aware of that issue. Yeah, well, they had, that is the thing about early games that if there's one thing about the the games that we grew up with that uh, playing that don't hold up, it's that the physics. There's no real physics, basically. There's collision detection, but like you mentioned with Live '95, '96, how you can nudge them and, and cause them to lose the ball and, and sometimes you can even hand check them and get away with the with the shove with the, with that button uh, so you, you can do that and there's a lot of times when you just kind of brush into somebody and they just fly up into the air and it's a foul you're just trying to get in there and just body them and, and you and you kind of you end up shoving them uh, unintentionally and the defense was that is, that's one thing about uh, modern video games uh, and, and yes 2k has does have its issues these days but one thing that doesn't get enough credit in games oh, probably over the last 10, 15 years, is how much the defensive side of the, of the game has improved. Because back in the day, especially before there was proper physics or any kind of real play, two-man interactions, two-man two animations, I should say, and proper interactions between players, how easy it was just to knock players or just... You couldn't stop players. Once they got into the air for a dunk, if you didn't block that shot, there's no way you could impede their progress to the rim. Uh, and how, how much defense has actually improved because there's actual physicality to the players and yes there's problems with them getting sucked into each other and stuck on each other and such but the fact that you can actually interact properly with each other has made defense so much better in uh, over the past couple of generations no i can agree with that i think the the last three years as we've talked about there's been quite a few defensive issues um especially with the ai smart smarts oh yeah um definitely if you're if you're being a human you can control it a little bit more if you're being a human 
Yeah, just be a human, Andrew. Um, <laughs> I <if> try. <laughs> Yeah. Um, if you are um, controlling a player, I can agree a lot with what you just said. I think that the AI defensive smarts have gone down. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no question. Over yeah. the last few years. Um, I think NBA 2K16 is a perfect example of how good defense can be in a video game. I think that that is probably, in my opinion, the gold standard for defense. Yep. Uh, is NBA 2K16. I'd say the weakest point of that is the trailer free. That used to be able to get a little bit too easy, but otherwise it's pretty damn sound. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I think one of the things when you you go back and you play those older games is not only does the pace sometimes um, not feel right. Sometimes it's either way too fast or or too slow. Like courtside, courtside was too slow. Um, but you also notice like lack of physicality on rebounds, lack of physicality in the post lack of physicality when you try to drive by somebody and all of that stuff. And it just, it feels almost too loose um, and a little bit too arcade. Well, like 2001 and 2002, you, you mentioning rebounds uh, triggered my uh, my memory of this, is that they, there was an issue in both 2001 and 2002 where offensive boards, the ratio was just ridiculous. There were too many offensive rebounds, basically. Uh, CPU especially got them. But even the user, you could, you could grab it much easier, much easier to grab um, offensive rebounds than uh, defensive rebounds. And, but you know what the solution was? Don't jump, which is counterintuitive. But if you just let the ball fall to the floor and you scooped it up, you could actually get more defensive rebounds. But of course, you know, logically, you're going to try and jump for rebounds. But it's one of those things in old games, the, the counterintuitive strategy, don't jump for rebounds and you'll actually get more rebounds collecting them off the floor. Yeah, I, I, I think we had this discussion. It is really funny that you brought that up. Um, this is not planned, listeners. Um, so last night we're playing and one of the things this isn't related to um to rebounding as much as it is defense we were my brother um constantly has a my brother mark has an uh and nick because they both love to get blocks have this automatic um i'm trying to say like basically basically what they they just want to jump they just want to jump for blocks, and they just want to keep jumping for blocks. And on 2K13 and 2K14, if you're jumping for blocks constantly, the offensive, the AI, because we're all playing on the same team, the AI is not impacted as much on their shot. So you can jump for a block and get right in somebody's face, and like your hand over the ball, and they'll still smoke a jump shot. But if you use the joystick, the right stick, and you push it towards the um the shooter and they put their hand up it counts as a like a contest and they miss the shot more often Mm. so kind of like your rebounding thing you would think hey you jump towards the guy logically and you almost get a block you would think that that would be considered a super contested shot in the game and the guy would have a better chance of missing heavier contest yeah but yeah, heavier contest. But in reality, when you play those games, 2K14 and 2K13, the best course of action is to push your joystick towards the shooter without jumping, and that counts as a stronger contest. So it's funny how that works in video games, and you kind of actually have to adjust to it. It is, and I suppose you go back to those, those early days, and sometimes you've got to remember those old, those old techniques. The funny thing I have mentioned, that I've noticed, rather, that, and I have mentioned before in a few articles, there's a lot of old games that if you play them now with the, with the strategies that we have to play more modern games with, and certainly if you've played those early uh, 2010s games when, the, when 2K was really 
doing some great stuff with their uh, strategic side of the game. If you go back and you play those earlier games with those more realistic strategies, they kind of play along, and it kind of works. But jump shots aren't quite good enough. They're not quite as uh, reliable as they should be, the shooting mechanics at the time. And, of course, the physicality isn't there, for especially on the defensive side of things. But it's funny how those early games... Are actually, some of them are more realistic than I remember because if you play them with realistic strategies and, and try and play them like a modern game, they kind of play along to a certain point, but they do fall short because the tech isn't there and the AI isn't quite as advanced. But it's, You make it, a good yeah. point because you can run people off screens. Like you can see in some of my videos, what I do is I send Reddick because I use the Pelicans, I send Reddick through and I hit him off of a screen to shoot a three. And in some of those old games, you can still run screen um, yep. screen plays. And you can also run the quick plays, like quick post-ups and quick isos and quick and send cutter and stuff like that. And like you said, when you slow it down a little bit and you run those plays and you watch the movement off the ball, oftentimes you can do that. And you're like, wait a minute, this game still plays pretty well. And certainly, um, certainly once we've got sliders as well, we can adjust those tendencies. Uh, I, I used to get some really really uh, realistic results, like, like from 2004 to 06 in NBA Live, and there was actually, I forget, oh, Onaglow in the forum, he'd set up uh, something based on the, uh, on, on the, on the birdie rating that, that Larry Bird came up with for the player um, efficiency and things like that, kind of like a, 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 a perp and, and other things. And he basically set up these formulas that determine how realistic your... Uh, franchise was and i'd actually got my uh, first year of my 06 franchise a uh, dynasty rather was uh, was really realistic I, I, and he's like how do you manage to do that and i said well it's just the way i play plus with the slider uh, um, adjustments you get the right slider setting and you got that right approach to the game a lot of those games from the early 2000s and and they actually can play quite a realistic game of basketball they they don't have all the technological advancements and uh, sophistication of the ai of, of later games more recent generation games but they can play a pretty good game of basketball, and that's what it was all about. Is it's actually you know we love basketball, and we want what we see in the virtual hardwood to represent the real hardwood. Yeah, I think sliders are um, almost a crutch now. Mm. If, if that makes sense, I think that I, I think sliders are a good thing. We have a slider thread. I mess with sliders and whatnot, but at least you knew you knew that what games you got before sliders were present. The game that you were playing was the game that you got. Yeah. And you had to accept it for what it was. And you had to work with what the game gave you. Um, so I do think that there's um, a, a good part of that. I think that's a good thing um, as well. Not that sliders are not, because I'd mess with them. And I do think it's good to give people options. We've talked about that before. Same with, like, camera relative and absolute controls. But I think that, um, I think that pre-sliders, um, having that consistent gameplay experience that you had to accept and adapt to, um, there's, still, that there's still something good about that. You know, I look back at those tweak rosters we made for, for Live 2001 where we tried to change the rebounding ratings globally, edit the rebounding ratings, and it ended up messing up franchise mode because, of course, the new rookies would come in and, and not have the uh, the same kind of rating scale and have to try and edit it all over again with batch files and everything. Really, the, the best solution was within the gameplay is to do the counterintuitive stuff and not jump for rebounds, and you would actually get more. I need to go back and play 2001 and 2002 a bit and really try that and really and train myself for that session to not jump for rebounds and just see if I can get a realistic ratio of offensive to defensive rebounds because that was the big issue in those games. But if you do try and just scoop up the loose ball on the rebound and not jump for it, it, it seems to make a difference. And it, it's odd, and it's, it's obviously not the way it should be. 
but it's one of those things we try to fix. We try to do everything except change the way we played. And again, if you play those games in a certain way, you can actually get the results. And it, it shouldn't be that way. You know, you shouldn't have to make. Ideally, in the you know in the ideal game, you don't make those adjustments to try and force a game to to play. It's almost like like, uh, like the grinding in current games. But it, it's it's different as well. It's it's that working to make the game as realistic as possible in those games, late nineties, early two thousands felt fun to try and get that experience that we wanted and when we got it it felt a lot more fun than than some of the grinding and everything and and preparing games in in modern times and yes some of that is nostalgia of course but at the same time it was because it was all about the on-court product Uh, like you said though it's about getting results and we found ways to get results oh yeah and the, you know, and the, whether that was using our imagination or um, playing a certain way or playing, um, you know, a way that you wouldn't have to play, that, that you wouldn't have to play in real life, but it would generate the stats you wanted and stuff like that. So we we found a way to make to get results. Something that just uh, occurred to me: uh, you mentioned waiting for the NBA Action '98 to show up and and the excitement of getting games. And, and yes, I, I definitely feel that as well. Uh, when I ordered the when, when, on eBay when I bought the uh, a Japanese version of NBA Live 2002 with uh, uh, Wizards Jordan on the cover. Uh, the first uh, copy I bought, uh, the seller uh, cancelled my order and refunded my money without explanation. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, uh, you know, why why you've done that? You, you, <laughs> you didn't say, oh, I, I've changed my mind about posting to Australia or whatever. So there was just no response. Uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, and, and I was disappointed because it was a pretty good price for, uh, for a Japanese version. Uh, in the end, I actually got... I found another seller who did send it and got it to me in pretty quick order and everything and uh, and and then said, "Oh, it's in pretty good condition. It's in near mint condition. It's 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 amazing that they they undersold how good it, good it was." I made sure to give them positive feedback. But again, that 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 anticipation I felt of like you know I, I've ordered this this really cool collectible uh, NBA Life 2002, which I've got a copy of already, a working copy of. But and and of course the Japanese version will only work in an emulator. It won't work on my pal. Um, it's 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 uh, NTSC J, it's Japanese version of course, so it won't work on a, a PAL console. It only work in the emulator, but just as a collectible, it was really you know, to actually get my hands on it. I wanted to, and I did, and then I did the same thing with NBA Street, uh, Japanese version of NBA Street that's got the render of Jordan on the cover as well. Not a photo this time, but the in-game render from NBA Street, the first NBA Street on the cover of it, and it's just that anticipation. And I, I knew I couldn't even regularly play these games without hooking up the emulator, you know, setting up the emulator and everything. Not that that takes much, obviously, but not not much of an effort to do that. But even the fact that I've played, I own these games already, and the English version of them, the PAL version that I can play at any time I want. But just getting these collectibles, it was it was so exciting to to get something in the mail. I don't know, yeah, maybe that's it's anything, I suppose, these days that to get something in the mail that you're looking forward to. But as far as basketball games, adding to my collection, it's uh, I definitely know what you're talking about when you say that. It never gets old. No. No. Never gets old getting a new. It's it's. I get the same feeling about, you know, when a new game comes out, I still get that same like super excitement, even if I was disappointed in the previous year, right? So I still get, you know, two K eighteen was a flop, but two K nineteen, I was still like, I had that fun feeling of like installing it and checking it out. Um, but I get that same feeling ordering a game twenty years old. Uh, 20, 25 years old, I still get that same excitement. And I just think, I think that's cool. And and that's how I know that I really love basketball gaming too, is um, just talking about it and collecting it and um, collecting games and all of that stuff and modding them and all that stuff. It just doesn't get old. Yeah. And it's not, it's not something we're doing 
you know, we, we are content creators, so we, we do create content, obviously, uh, on um, about basketball video games. But there is that genuine enjoyment. And I, I don't know if I've brought this up on previous shows or in articles. I, I think I've alluded to it before. But if you do truly enjoy video games, if you are a content creator when it comes to video games, if you really do enjoy games and, and enjoy the games you play and you're doing things that interest you and the things that you're passionate about as far as the games go... It's never really a chore to create that content. But if you've got to do it, if you've got to follow a trend, and, and yes, obviously, if you follow trends, you're probably going to get a lot of the uh, bigger viewership and, 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 and bigger audience, which is important, obviously. But if you're, if you're only doing it because that's what you've got to do, and, and yes, we all follow trends to a certain point, a certain extent, but if you're creating stuff that interests you and that you're passionate about, and that passion is driving the content you create, you never run out of things to talk about. Uh, it's why I'm able to do the articles each and every week, why I've got about six weeks of, of articles drafted ahead because I've just had all these things come to me recently that I've wanted to talk about and stuff and revisiting some games recently that's really inspired me to write some Wayback Wednesdays and things like that. If you're passionate about the, the content that you're creating and, and the the subject matter of the content, it never becomes a chore. Whether you're doing it for a living like a lot of YouTubers are or whether you're doing it more as a side project or hobby as we do, then, yeah, you, you, you'll never get tired of it. You, you may get some burnout, especially with modding, because <laughs> that, be, that can be a chore at times. But if you, if you are passionate about it, passion can, can you know, and, and I don't know where I'm going with this, passion can, you know, can, can ebb and flow, obviously, and sometimes you need to take a break. You do get burnout sometimes. But if, if it's coming from a place of enjoyment and true interest and not just oh i need to create this kind of content because that's what's trending but i want to create this content because this is what interests me it's 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 easy it's a snap to create that content yes if you're putting in the time and effort into it, it takes time and effort but there's always that underlying enjoyment because you're enjoying the games you found something you enjoy and you want to share that with other people play what you want yeah. play what you want um mod what you want put the you know edit content or create content that you want um, because it shouldn't be any other way. Um, you shouldn't be doing it for attention or the word we hate clout um, and whatnot. And I do think that a lot of people um, will play a certain game because it's the popular one or um, even if they're not enjoying it um, or create mods that they don't necessarily want to create either for attention or because it's um, what somebody asked for, even though they don't want to do it or have no interest in it. And I do think that that can create uh, some pretty heavy burnout. Um, so I definitely, like you said, you know, play what you want, mod what you want, create what you want, edit content that you want, all of that stuff. And as far as playing what you want, at the top of the show, we talked about what we, how we like to play the 12 minute quarters, the 82 games, not liking to simulate because of that. If that's the way you can get through a season, if that's enjoyable to you, if, if four minutes, you know, as, as Sticky Fingers has mentioned, that's what he can manage and what's enjoyable to him. That's great. You know, you should be enjoying the games. Uh, these games are expensive to buy every year. I mean, they're not, they're not usually break the bank expensive for, for most of us that have got some disposable income to, to spend on a hobby, but they are still expensive. And certainly if you're also dumping money into microtransactions, they can be even more expensive, but they are too expensive to not enjoy and get the most out of in the way that you can get the most out of it and enjoy them. So if that's four minute quarters, that's fine. If it's simulating, you know, it, it's, there's obviously going to be that it's, it's hard for us to see the appeal or there's going to be that disconnect there. But if that's what appeals to you, you know, that that's great. And if that's what works for you and you don't care about that other stuff, 
then in, in a way I envy that because it'd be great for me to be able to play multiple seasons and not uh, not have to feel like I'm cheating myself by simulating, etc. So if, if that's what what uh, what appeals to you and that's and you're enjoying the game and that is the main thing, then yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't be worried about. Uh, you know, the difficulty level you're playing on. I mean, certainly if you're going to talk about how great you are at the game and you're playing on rookie, well, <laughs> yes, that's people are going to call you out on that. But if it's if it's simply a matter of you know it, it, you want that easy experience or a tough experience or realistic or or wacky experience, uh, then whatever habits you've developed, whatever taste you've developed, uh, and whether that taste is letting you enjoy the game, that's all that matters. And that, that's something I think we lose sight of, especially in, in you know, gaming communities being toxic at times and, and judgmental of the way other people play and the gatekeeping that goes on. Uh, I'm not about that stuff. You know, I have my preferences. I like to, you know, and obviously we can, we can share some common experiences here, but there's a lot of people playing games uh, like us and differently to us, and if, as long as we're enjoying them, that's the main thing. Right. Don't be ashamed about the way you play. Like, and I've, we were talking about 82 games and, and 48 minutes, but you know, I always play on hall of fame or variations of hall of fame, but that's not me. That's not just because my style is that way. Um, and that's how my brothers and I play against each other. Because remember most of ours is human versus human gameplay. And we prefer hall of fame against each other. Um, just because it, it, that doesn't mean that somebody playing on rookie or pro is doing something wrong or they should have something to be like ashamed of it's just your play style if you're more casual with the game um and that challenge suits you then do it and there's nothing wrong with that um and i I do think that some bullying can happen with that uh like you alluded to um a little bit and and that's unfortunate the the online versus offline game is is obviously a big thing not just in this genre but a lot of uh games in, in particular and it's you, I can see, having done both, especially in recent years, having played a bit more online, I, I know the appeal, and, and yes, it can have some, some of the less of the tedium, rather less of the tedium, that that uh, against the CPU does. It's the same way that local competitive and co-op does. That you've got another person there. It's changing things up. It's not as predictable as a CPU, although sometimes you can predict if you if you played against somebody a lot, you can predict what they're going to do sometimes. But apart from that, there is that something that the CPU just can't replicate going up against another uh, human player. But at the same time, you have more toxicity, more selfishness, especially when you've got random people online. Uh, with the CPU, there's always that... Uh, if you're a franchise game, for example, there is that, or my career gamer, there is a more consistency to the experience. You know what you're going to get, whereas it's it's very much a crapshoot with online play, especially with random teammates. You You may get... You may come up with against cheeses. You may come up against selfish people. They may be. You may have a really great experience. You may have a really bad experience. Game to game, you can go back and read about my week in the wreck uh, to see how much it varied, not just from night to night, but from game to game in each night, and how some things were were positive and some, a very positive game can be followed up by a very very uh, negative one. The experiences. So, it's that's why people prefer off offline. Uh, and people conversely people prefer online because they find the cpu boring and they find that that the challenge and the way that it can change up uh, the dynamic nature of online play and there's no right or wrong way unless you're hacking the game or cheating i suppose or playing selfishly but as far as which type of gameplay you prefer online or offline or my career or my team or my league etc and franchise ultimate team all all the different modes uh exhibition play now online whatever again as long as you're enjoying the game there's no reason to look down on somebody else for the way they play or the gatekeeping, I think, has been become a bigger problem, certainly with online play. And 
we are just two people, but if we can put out one thing, more positivity about gaming, as well as constructive criticism, uh, if, if we can cut down on the gatekeeping, I, I think that would be very important because... You know, there's, there's a lot of executives who are trying to ruin basketball gaming for us, quite frankly. Uh, we need to stand together with this one. I agree. I, I think, um, too, anytime you take control away from the user, like with some of the online stuff, um, you're going to get people who complain and they'll rebel against it. Oh, anytime yeah. you take control a lot of the user's hands. And I think that's what a lot of that, those modes and, and that play style um, does. And I do. I, th- I see the um, the hurting um how it's hurt gameplay and all of that stuff, all the gatekeeping. And I've heard how, um, you know, like you said, the executives are, are kind of, you're hurting that the, the, the situation as a whole and creating kind of like a snobby user base too, an elite elitist user base, uh, whatnot. And that's, and that's just a damn shame. And hopefully at some point we get back to just having a quality basketball game. That's fair to the gamer. I mean, in, enjoying a virtual representation of the sport we supposedly all love. I mean, that's that's what we want, right? That's what it's all about, and creating memories, like we had stated. Creating memories in the virtual hardwood. I think we've covered our uh, both of our catchphrases here. Yeah, that's and Jim Sterling. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and uh, and I just to throw <laughs> it, and and also to throw it out there: Fallout Three, Fallout Four, New Vegas, and Bart versus the Space Mutants. Yeah, absolutely, and I and it's it's not a podcast unless I bring up a tennis video game. So John John McEnroe's commentary in Tennis World Tour sucks. It's very <laughs> much like Reggie Theus in NBA Live, um, two thousand one. So I just want to throw that out there. Need to track down that tennis game I had. I think I posted it in the forum. So yeah, always fun to revisit the uh, the classics, the things that shaped our approach to basketball gaming. Obviously, indulging in nostalgia, we we cover that a little bit and. Uh, and yes, I'm sure we will get back to the, the current games as, as there is news. But uh, uh, apart from the NBA 2K20, my team stuff, uh, not, not a lot going on in games, with, especially with the season shut down right now. Yeah, and I keep looking um, online to see if there's like any updates on EA Sports or NBA Live or and whatnot. And despite, um, minus the few updates that 2K has made on their, um, on their game for my team and whatnot, there really hasn't been any news um we are getting more news trickling in for P- playstation 5 so we'll probably have a little bit more to talk about in that regard as far as recent news news on the next podcast oh man you, you see some of the, the fanboy and, and hater arguments already popping up on social media there <laughs> the, uh... oh yeah yeah that, well you got the whole xbox and ps5 um communities got kind of going at each other or excuse me xbox and playstation communities like there's like still a, that that war between which is better and, and all that stuff. The, the, the specs, the preliminary specs have been released, so yeah, that, that will be something to go over. And uh, But yes, of course, that is already causing a stir. Who's got the more powerful console? What's going to do this and that? And uh, if, uh, if games continue with microtransactions, does it really matter? It's going to be a, a more powerful way for us to spend money. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. but it will look good in screenshots. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's not just about power. And, and this kind of ties up what we've been talking about a lot on this show is that we had such fun experiences with, with prim- more primitive technology uh, because it was about the experience, about the gameplay. And when that's not the focus, uh, that, that is my concern going into a new generation to, uh, to, to leave a hook for a future show, I suppose, is my, my concerns about the gen- next generation are not how it's going to look or it's going to be technologically impressive, but it's, it is that design philosophy, how it's going to be as far as the quality of the modes, the on-court experience, and certainly how it's going to be as far as grind and microtransactions, uh, because 
just as it was once about getting the games to it was once about getting players to look like their real life selves and to play more like their real life selves and to to get the depth of these modes uh we we kind of have to go back to that it's funny how it's become circular nothing is more important than gameplay that's it i mean there's nothing more important i mean you can say you can have pretty screenshots and and all of that stuff um and you can have all the modes in the world and and great screenshots but if the the action between the lines doesn't feel right then you're in trouble you you say that d but shoelace physics what is shoelace physics oh shoelace i mean listen uh, and I've said this on the prior podcast, if the new generation of games doesn't have the player actually grabbing shoelaces and tying his shoes, if he's just grabbing air, then I'm returning the game. What is even the point? Pre-order, pre-order cancelled, right, console in the bin, a PC, a gaming PC out the window. Yeah. Come on now. Right. If I don't see, if I, if I don't see um, sweat look, dripping off of a player's long hair like Robin Lopez... If I don't like see beads of sweat dripping and his hair getting wet, then I'm just not I'm not interested. Well, I will say the flowing locks of Kelly Olynyk uh, definitely have made 2K15. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Kelly Olynyk's had the same cyber face since 2K15. I want to say so. You know what? You, you you find your style and you stick with it. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Some of those consistent faces that they've used for years are pretty decent. Oh yeah, yeah. We've, We've come a long way from uh, two dots for eyes. That's the way, that's what I like to put it. Right, and, Ken, and Kendall Matumbo and, and Dikembe Gill. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna have to. Gonna have to cre- I'm to create that player now. Just uh, he, he, he can be my uh, my star player in a franchise. That might get me back into franchise. But uh, always fun to reminisce about those games that we grew up with and, and played growing up, and um, and shaped our uh, the way we saw virtual basketball and perhaps real basketball to a certain extent. And yeah, n- never regret going back to those. And I, I just want to give a Quick shout out to uh, to NBA Live 2001 highlights on Instagram. Uh, know that listen to our show and have uh, had some kind things to say about that. And did ask if we could uh, t- uh, touch on some games, including Live 2001, which we did a little bit uh, in this episode. And I'm sure we can talk about it in future episodes too when things come to mind. But uh, yeah, we're not alone, D. There are other people who like to stick with some old games, and they also post some updated footage as well and uh, and other such uh, accounts on there. But yes. We're not the only ones that like going back to classics and ones we enjoy. Well, there's plenty to talk about. Look at the look at the history. I mean, it's 2020, and we've been playing basketball games that have been coming out for 35 years. Obviously, we weren't playing 35 years ago, but you know, my first games were Double Dribble and Jordan versus Bird, and those came out in the mid to late 80s. Um, and there's just so many games to discuss and so many different styles and um, so many different gameplay directions that were used and so many different features and different games and all of that stuff. It's just, it's just, there's, there, there's, you can never touch on all of it. But uh, we certainly will try as the episode, as the episodes continue with the NLC <laughs> podcast, of course, way back Wednesday comes out and I, and I mentioned these things in Friday five. There's always some fun trivia to cover and, uh, and other articles as well, but we, we will talk a bit more about, these in the the weeks the the months the years to come of doing the nlc podcast and our other articles as well uh, as always uh, feel free to hit us up with any comments about uh, about the show what you thought about what we what we said and the topics that we that we raised and of course if you have any topic suggestions for future shows feel free to uh, mention those as well the uh, nlc podcast comes out each and every week sunday evenings australian time you can stream it on the nlc of course which is nba-live.com 
You can also find us on various podcatching apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Search for NLC Podcast. Look for that logo. That will be us. Uh, feel free to leave us any, uh, hopefully, positive reviews on those platforms. Always helps out with both our ego and visibility. As long as you're tuning in each and every week and enjoying the show, that is the main thing. Before I promote the NLC socials, uh, where can we find you, D? Um, you can find me on Twitter at deeper384, um, on YouTube, deeper3. Um, both have the D Brown no look dunk as the profile picture. Um, there's other deeper3 poser nickname, uh, names out there, um, but I'm the one with the no look D Brown logo. Um, you can find me over at the NLVC, uh, the NBA Live Veterans Committee, but also on the NLSC as deeper3. And uh, I'm also on the NLSC, as you might imagine, just uh, plain old Andrew there. Um, Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC on Facebook and Twitter is the NLSC. On Instagram, we are NLSC Basketball. On YouTube, NBA Live Series Center. And of course, give it luck to the NLSC itself, nba-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that is all for this week. Thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>